Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, March the 4th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have Katie Johnson in the house. But before I jump into that, some real quick housekeeping stuff. Reminder, our 30 for 30 challenge is kicking off here in just over a day. Um, it is about noon right now on Friday, so if you guys are down or you're interested, just hit me up. The link is in the Instagram bio right now. Otherwise, the website itself is jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge. All 30 days, all we're asking you guys to do is move for 30 minutes every single day. It will come all to you right up front, and then every single day when you wake up, it'll be in your inbox. You guys can just open it, rip it, and we'll do it in the healthiest way possible. If you need me to make your life a little bit easier. I'm happy to share a podcast discount code with you guys if you message us within the next, let's say, 24 hours here. So if you're interested, check out the link on IG. Otherwise, jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge. And that's the next one we're rolling out. We kick off on Monday, but we're closing down the reg uh, Saturday, probably around 5 o'clock or so, so we can get you guys rocking and rolling. Then we run the next one until, I believe the end of April. So if you want to get down, check it out ASAP. And you guys already know this podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you're somebody who struggles to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, all of us do, even myself at times, this would be the one thing I would throw into your life. So if you're tired of taking 14 different pills or you just really have a hard time choking down, you know, four cups of broccoli at every single sitting, this is for you. Right now, we'll give you guys a year's supply of free vitamin D, which you should already be taking, and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get hooked up with all the free stuff. Or if you've heard me talk about this for 460-some episodes, or maybe this is the first time you have heard me say this, we'll send you a free sample pack to try. 100% on us. All you have to do is message us wherever you can. If it's the contact page on the website, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. I don't care if you throw a note in a bottle down the Salt River. If we can find it, we will grab your address and send you a pack 100% for free. You can try it, see that I'm not completely full of shit, and then you can get all the free stuff from there. And let's be real, we have all drinking much worse things, especially in college and that stuff was not good for you this will at least help you be a little bit healthier so again hit us up otherwise check out the site athleticgreens.com slash jeremy scott and you are good to go it's always a mouthful katie johnson speaking of college welcome (laughs) here you are what is the worst thing that you can remember drinking in college or the worst shot you ever took oh the worst shot was those um Whiskey ones. What are those whiskey ones with all the stuff in it? It's like a turkey, wild turkey. Wild turkey's bad. Uh, what is the three wise men? Jack, oh. Jack, John, and Jim, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are pretty gross, too. Those are nasty. That's not, I don't mind whiskey. I, I'm not a wild turkey fan. Uh, like, worst mm-hmm. shot. Like, the Irish car bombs are pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Uh, remember in college, those little Mickey hand grenades? Mickey's? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Mickey's was gross in general. Yeah, we, uh, those were gross in college. The uh, Mickey's Ice House 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talked about this before on here, where it's like uh, Edward 40 hands, oh, where yes. you tape a 40 to each hand. Oh, the God. problem is, like, I could drink the volume, 
but not fast enough. Oh, so yeah. by the time I got to the second 40, it was piss warm. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. A hundred. Um, and then you do the Century Club, just bits at a time, just hundred minutes, but it gets warm. That, um, I did that one time at, full disclaimer, um, I've known Katie for like 15 years. More, dude. 17. 20. Yeah. 20, 20 years. About 20 years. We're old as fuck, dude. <laughs> Um, so here we are. Um, but anyways, I'm going to share this story, which you guys will understand. I was actually at Isaac's house uh-huh. and I remember doing the century club, maybe like minute 60 or something. Cause it's a shot of beer a minute. every minute on the yep. minute for, it's a great fitness minutes. protocol, right? uh, but just not for booze. And I remember like being minute 60 something in his bathroom, just like really questioning my life decisions. <laughs> Uh, but you're a dude, so yeah, you, you just can't. Got to power through. Yeah, it was not smart. Yes. Anyways, um, who who are you? If you want to go uh, origin story, or how did you get into where? How did you end up here today? So yeah, origin. I ended up here today because I a uh, small town Iowa kid, coach's kid, played some sports in high school because that's what you do in small town Iowa when you're. A five nine girl with a six one wingspan. Did you play? Did you play all the sports? All the sports, yes. Volleyball. Volleyball, basketball, track, softball. Oh, and palms for two years. Dance team. Oh, respect. Yeah, right. Uh, and then went to Waldorf College to play basketball, which was where you were already holding it down um, a year ahead of me. Um, so we went to school, and we played some hoops, and then I transferred out to you and I after my sophomore year. Did you, before I don't want to interrupt yeah, you, go ahead. did you always know like social work was like the path? I did not. So I, I knew, you know, you do those personality assessments and just kind of knowing myself, I knew I liked to help and be helpful. I liked to listen to people. I like, you know, my friends would always come to me for stuff, but I didn't talk to anybody. So I didn't know what social work was. I thought it was this stereotypical image of someone going to knocking on somebody's house to make sure the kids are okay, sort of a thing. And out in the field and that's only what it was. But, um, so I studied psych and family studies for undergrad and then worked for a while before I even came into social work. What did you do like right after you graduate with your bachelor's? Graduate with my bachelor's and worked in nonprofit and event and marketing, uh, management at, for like three different nonprofits in the Cedar Rapids area. Yeah. It was cool. It was a good experience. And then you decided, Hey, I'm going to go back to school or. Yeah. You know, the bucket really never got full. It just always felt empty. Um, and I knew it was something that I had been interested in and I was fortunate enough to meet somebody through one of those positions, um, uh, who did this, who was a social worker in a clinical office and private practice. And that's what I ultimately wanted to do. So she came, became a mentor and helped me sort of navigate the path. And so how does it work from there? Like, well, I'm interested and now I'm going to go back and pursue a mat or what's the, your official title, I guess. So official title is a licensed independent social worker. So what that means is I studied uh, social work in a master's program for two years. Um, and this was back when I think you can do it in one now, maybe I'm not even sure you have to be in a program for two years, but anyway, so two years and then you get a licensed master social worker degree. And then from there you have to have field hours. So I think I had to have 4,000 supervised field hours in practice and then sit for another exam to become an independent level social worker. 4,000 is a ton, dude. Yeah. What's a full-time working year? Like 2,082 hours, something like that? Yeah. That's a long time, dude. It was a grip. Yeah. 
Is there any point where you're in it and you're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Or you're just like, you're like, well, I'm pot committed now, so hell, we're in it. <laughs> um, along that path, no. That one I was just trying to grind. Like, you know, you had a you had an end point to get to. So, and I had, again, fortunate everywhere to have really great mentors and people to work with. So I was having, it was interesting and I was learning and very green and just kept going and going. And it was, I guess, hard and confusing, but it was still like pushing. And when you're making the choice, like of all the fields, like how is that the, you narrow it down to that? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'll come back to this at some point, but it's, you don't get paid enough for like the shit you guys have to deal with. It's the way I think of like teaching and the way I think of most things where, or like daycare, right? Like I'm not saying that's this high level skill. Like you're not doing brain surgery. However, parents are dropping their kids off with like these random people and they're paying them 10 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. That's horse shit. And the same thing kind of with, you know, teachers, we pay them peanuts compared to most things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like social workers, like can't make money. I go, but for what you're dealing with, Sure. Like that's, and so you're like, well, I just want to help people and then the rest I'll figure out. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But uh, so I wanted to do something. I'm a clinical social worker. Um, so when you go into social work, this is why I chose this path. Um, rather than if I wanted to sit in an office and talk to people or do psychotherapy, then this is one avenue I could have gone psychology and been a psychologist or a licensed mental health counselor. There's like a few different designations but as a social worker you have a lot of range in what you can do like I do clinical work but you can also do like program work um and kind of just spread out so and I'm pretty eclectic so I wanted the most eclectic one in case I wanted to change and there's multiple like avenues like if you wanted to switch you could you could change lanes basically yeah yeah right what is the most common like type of social worker is it the one like you describe like in my brain because I'm an idiot um, I think of what you described, like, you know, Rick knocks on the door, he's checking on the house to see if like, there's a problem there. He's cool. I basically, I'm merging that in a probation officer, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. together. Like, right. that's what I think about checking on welfare sort of a thing. I don't really, that's a good question. I, I don't know what the most common type of social worker is because it is so wide ranging. Um, you can work in academic settings, you can do research, you can do, again, like macro level programming for a community organization, you can do clinical work like I do, you can work in an outpatient, you can be in a hospital. It's, I mean, I don't know, there's just so many. It's cool. What, um, so as you go through, like you do all the hours, and then where do you go once you're legit? Yeah, so I, at my first level, licensed master level, the path that I took was um, I was at Kirkwood Community College in their student services department doing clinical one-on-one -on -one work and was followed a mentor of a person who mentored me into private practice from there. And so I was lucky enough to just go from community college work to private practice work and then got licensed while in private practice, which is not, at least it is maybe more common now, but when I was coming up, it was more you got to earn your stripes before you hang your shingle sort of a thing. Like you got to work in all of these different kinds of agencies and community work before you can go for a private practice. And what year was, the, like what year is this, like time frame? So I went back to get my master's in 12. And so 14 was when I graduated and then was fully licensed because you only got to do those 4,000 hours, um, fully licensed in 2017. 
Okay. And that's like you're on your own in 2017 fully? Yep. Yep. So how do you know it's time to open up your own your own show as opposed to being in a system where, you know, they're giving you a check. Now you're the one who has to generate the checks. It's personal preference, I think. Um, I, I was working under, her name is Nikki. So I was working under Nikki uh, in private practice as her employee. And then it was sort of always the plan between us that once I got my license hours, I would just open up my own practice and transfer all my clients. So I was really fortunate in that. But I think everybody's, I knew that I wanted to do my own thing because, I mean, strip it down. I don't follow orders well. So I, I'm familiar. Pretty, yeah, I thought maybe. We're just be. a bunch of fuck ups, everybody. That's <laughs> maybe the truth. You would be. Yeah, I don't follow orders well. I like to set my own way. I'm a little bit stubborn. But I don't know. Also, I just probably similar to you, too. Like, I'm just curious about a lot of things and I'm pretty self-driven and you don't really need to push me to get me to do something. I don't want you to, I'll figure it out on my own sort of a thing. Um, and I just like to have the freedom to see who I want to see when I want to see him, set my own schedule, kind of all the things that you get to do when you go on your own. Well, and cause they're, they're two different things for people if, uh, who are listening, who have been in a, obviously most of you, they're working a business or you're a part of one or you're an entrepreneur it's if you ever read the book, Michael Gerber put out, he has all the e-myth books and he talks mm-hmm. about being, you know, the owner, the manager, the technician. Mm-hmm. And those are all hats that you wear when you start for sure. But especially as you get into this, you being the technician is what helps people, but you're also the business owner. Mm-hmm. And those are two different things. And sometimes we see it here, physicians, whoever, they might be a great surgeon, but they're a dipshit in business. Mm-hmm. So where does that like acumen come from? Like, how did you know, like, you know what, I can actually make this work? Or I guess, what's the best part about being your own boss and like the worst part? Mm. It, it might be the same thing. Like the best part is pretty much what you just said. With my nonprofit management marketing experience, when I came out of college, I knew how to hit the streets and meet people and get the word out and make connections and all that. And I knew the how to make a website and social media and all that. So I had experience in that and really enjoy doing that aspect, but you don't get paid for that in my work. You get paid when your butt's in a seat and you're listening to somebody. So it's sort of the best and the worst of it, I would say. It's, and it's also isolating. Like it, in my work, again, I see maybe 25 people a week. So that's 25 hours of your work week sitting in a seat. And then on top of that, you got to do your notes and your research and your other related things to that one person. But then you also got to do your billing and you got to answer the phone and you got to do your booking and accounting and all this other scheduling stuff. And, you know, that I think while I love all of that, it's probably the most daunting aspects as well. Is it just you? Just me. Nobody else. Nobody else. Just me. I did that for a long time. (laughs) Ooh, I should. I have a biller. Uh, That is one thing that I drew a hard line that I don't want to mess with insurance plans. So I work with a lot of people who come to me and use their insurance to pay for sessions. And, uh, she is certified in working with that. So I let her take that on. Um, but yeah, I think also just, you figured it out. Like it's, it gets lonely. It gets quiet and, uh, just isolating. Well, yeah, there's a guy here. He does, um, shout out to Brent Orm. He's on a cruise right now. He's in New Orleans and he's cruising around somewhere for like two weeks. He's balling out of control. Nice. Um, he'll listen to this. And uh, he, he's told me before, he's like, you're on an island. And he goes, I'm on an island too. And we can relate 
but it's still my island and it's still your island. And especially, like, he has a small team, I have a small team, but you were, like, where I was at, like, on this. It's just you. Uh, and it can be draining, for sure, when you do all this stuff. I, I don't want to forget this. How many people do you see that are uh, insurance-based versus, like, cash-based? Is there, like, a split? Um, I would say probably three-quarters of people that I see go through insurance and about a quarter self-pay, but that's slowly starting to shift a bit. Um, I'm sort of changing my practice up and what I do and don't accept and what I will and won't work with, and so I think that will also have a, a natural shift, maybe split into 50-50. And how big of a pain in the ass, like, is the insurance stuff? It's pretty brutal. Yeah. It can be really brutal. Uh, that is why I have the biller. She speaks the language. Shout out to Brenda. She's wonderful. Um, she's actually in Florida. She moved to Florida. She did the right thing. And oh, nice. got out of Iowa and moved to Florida. Um, but she takes care of that. It is, it's rough. And they have their way of doing things and their rules that you have to adhere to. And it's, it's pretty rough. Because I'm imagining, we've had friends where, you know, they reach a, I don't know if it's a breaking point or whether like they're willing to, and this is a conversation I've had in here before with and dudes, maybe specifically, and I'm not saying women, but dudes are stupid. Um, I'm a dude, so I can say it. Uh, we're just stubborn, man. And we're not willing to ask for help. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I can't say I'll never speak in absolutes. Like I love my wife, but she'd be like, you never do the dishes. I'm like, this is a, this is a lie. <laughs> like I don't do them a lot. I go, but I have done them and I do do them. So I don't want to say like, I would never, you know, ask for help, but mm-hmm. it would have to be like pretty fucking brutal for yeah. me to, to do that. Cause I just, I'm the old school. Let me just swallow it and bury it and it will be fine. Um, that don't ever do that. Anybody I'm sure the professional <laughs> will say the same thing, but if you are trying to get help, and you call in and it's like, well, my insurance has to approve this, this, and this. Is that a barrier sometimes like for people where it kind of like maybe it delays them getting help and treatment or like deters them or something? Yeah, it can work in in both ways. But, um, you know, because in some aspects it helps people get help because insurance is a resource and not everybody has it. And it is just a requirement. And if you don't have the financial resources, this is a method for you to get the help that you need in mental health or physical health, whatever that is. But on the flip side, it is limiting, you know, there are some plans where maybe they don't have behavioral mental health coverage. So you can either not see someone at all and that's not covered, or you only get a certain number of sessions sort of a thing, or, you know, like you need a specific type of treatment that, you know, say you need to go into a hospitalization setting and maybe that's covered, but you're, going into inpatient as you transition out sort of a thing and you can't get that treatment. So it, it just depends on the plan. So basically you just call your, well, your insurance will tell you basically, yes. or they'll tell you right. guys like, Hey, he can do this. He can't do this. Yes. That's kind of a shit system. Yeah. You got to get permission to get the help that you need yourself. Um, people will come to me and they'll say, you know, I want to see you. Here's what I'm looking at. Uh, working on and then here's you know insurance or not and then what I typically do is get their information and pass it to Brenda and she'll look into their plan if they haven't done so already and say yeah they're good to go here's what they'll pay and like how quick is the like the turnaround uh, typically if you had an idea um so if if if, yeah if if Rick Rick calls you on Thursday he's like I'm struggling dude he sends in all his stuff like when's the earliest you could probably see him uh, me right now, uh, May. Oh, I was thinking like fucking Monday. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're on some manufacturing stuff. 
You're like, well, you ordered a car. It'll be here in two years. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. There's a shortage of people that do what Jesus, I do. Jesus, dude. Psychiatrist shortage. Like, people need help, but there's not a lot of it. That's a problem. It's a problem. I mean, how, what do you do in that scenario? You just say like, hey man, is there like a referral system you can push them somewhere? Or you're just like, hey, this is it. I'm the one. Usually, every again, in every clinician, every office is going to do a little bit differently. I typically have a process where somebody sends me an email or really I'm shooting everybody through email because I don't have enough time to call everybody back. Um, so I have, you know, I get an email and this is what I'm looking for. And if I can get them in, I say, here's my earliest, I have a waiting list. I'll let you know if I can get you in sooner, which does happen sometimes because things change. Um, but if I don't have something available, I will typically ask, are you interested in referrals? And if they say yes, then I, I mean, three to five people based on what I know in that area, um, and what they're looking at working on. Cause I imagine if, if you're, Again, I'm sure it's same male, female. If you're willing to break down and be like, you know what, I need help, but I can't get help for two months, a lot of stuff can happen. Yeah, so, and that's the other thing. They're not my patient, so I don't know what is the severity level, nor can I because they're not my patient. So I give them names, but also, you know, you have your 24-hour crisis services that are available. Um, in how how legit areas. are those things? you're required to be certified to work for these sorts of crisis centers. Um, the ones at least I know in my area in Cedar Rapids are wonderful. They have great staff, um, 24 seven access care or the County just put in a access center. And I think they accept walk-ins until maybe 10 and oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there's something anyway, there's a catch, but there's not enough. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's, I'll come back to the sure. the backup for sure. What, um, as you go through this, so like you start your own stuff, you're getting into it. Uh, the first question is 25 people a week, like the max you can kind of chew on? It, personally, yeah. 25 is probably pushing it for me. I'm kind of a feeler, so I should probably back it down, but I also. What does that mean? Uh, when like somebody... you touch people like a creep? <laughs> you're one of those? Um, no, not all the time. You're into that? Not all the You've time. You've heard of that Me Too shit. Yeah. You can't yeah. do that anymore. Hashtag. Yeah. Uh, no, it's more, uh, just emotionally, uh, you know, everybody's kind of got their own expanse of what they can handle and what their system can handle. Um, seeing 25 people a week, every week for four to six months for me is, it doesn't work. Like I don't have that sort of like bandwidth. Um, like emotionally. Emotionally. Yeah. Right. But. There's like Nikki who trained me for a lot of my, um, practice. She could see 40. Really? Yeah. She can stretch. How much does the other stuff take like time-wise in terms of, okay, I'm going to see 25 people. What is that? Cause again, if you, if you think of it, like let's say fitness, which is the like hundred percent dumbed down version of like what you do. If we were to meet 25 individual people per hour, that's not how our model runs, but a lot of friends of mine do that. There's programming that obviously goes into it in terms of just their stuff. Nick, how are they progressing? How are they regressing? How can we create a program that helps them? Is there a nutrition component to it? And then obviously if you take into account like, okay, there's billing, there's these other things that you do. How much work are you doing outside of the 25 actual hours with the humans? Um, I would say case dependent. It's anywhere from me personally as low as you know, average 10 to 15 minutes, but, you know, not counting the research and all that extra, but it could be 
hours like you can be on the phone talking to a parent if it's a teenager um or you could be doing other specific work on you know your notes and your billing on the side but i mean i would say probably up to an hour or more and what type of training do you do like to continue learning all the things you learn because i'm sure once you got into it um well maybe not you're smarter than me so when Mm -hmm. i first started this i'm like i know everything and then within like a week, I'm like, yeah, you're a dipshit and you don't know anything. And I joke on here and I say, anybody who bought stuff from me 15 years ago, I wish I could find you and give you your money back because <laughs> I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, well, compared, because, I was one of them. I was one. Yeah. I don't want my money back. It was helpful. Well, think like the free, I'm like, the, I'm like, we give out better free shit now than shit like we used to charge people for, which is crazy. But you just, you, you know, you get enough hours under your belt and then you hang out like you. I've had mentors who have helped me along the way kind of mold and be good at my craft. So what is the continuing education look like? Do you get to pick that or is there certain requirements? And then even outside of that, is there some things that you kind of a la carte do because, Hey, here's my specialty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So state to state's a little different. Iowa, I believe requires 27 hours of continuing education a year. Oh no, a cycle, I believe. Uh, no, maybe it's a year. I better check on that. Don't quote me. I, I think it's a year, 27 credit hours a year. And then, yes, you have to fill in these certain gaps of um, subject areas. And then you yourself get to pick and choose from there what it is. So I like working with athletes. So I'll often do trainings that are related to working around sport. And like, what does that look like when you like if you have an example of like a course maybe you've done or something that you study, whether it's book, text or like a lecture of Here's the how we tackle this with athlete X, if it's old, young, whatever it may be. Um, so one that I, I think have on deck coming up in, the, in a couple of months is uh, like treating uh, clients who have dealt with concussions. So since I'm not in a hospital setting, I have worked with like say football players who have had concussions, however many they know about, however many they don't know about. And it's important to then you sit down and know, here's the symptoms that you're going to watch for. Here's resources for them to use. Here's skills for me to have when they're sharing things with me. So you, you're having headaches all the time. So here's all the things that we need to do, maybe cognitively or with behavior to make sure that you can mitigate that, but also make sure that you get treatment that supplements, you know, maybe they need glasses. So maybe they need to go see someone to get contacts or glasses or something along those lines so that they can have like just that reduced impact of whatever it is that they might be going through. And do you work with their physicians ever or like you guys connect? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, it is helpful when you can have that integration, but it doesn't happen all that. I mean, everybody's busy, so it's hard to really connect and everybody's got multiple clients, but there have been some great, even like I work with PTs, I've worked with um, area eye doctors in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, just in conversation and consulting on and referrals back and forth. And so what is the, the biggest demo that you maybe started working with and then obviously work with now? I started in, um, well, I worked actually in a treatment center for um, substance abuse and disorders for a part of my internship and then ended up at Kirkwood and Kirkwood, you get anybody cause it's a community college. So they have non-traditional students. So it could be anybody 18 and up male, female. It was pretty wide ranging, sort of generalist, a lot of anxiety, but you know, you could have somebody having a manic episode in your office at the same time. You really don't know what you're going to get. Um, but then when you, when I got into private practice, I got to niche down into what I enjoy working with. So 
you know, I specialize in working more with age 16, um, young adults, but I work all the way up to, you know, fifties. Um, so it's, it's a big wide range there, but I, again, kind of niching it down to just focusing on the, the student athlete or athletes. So I work with adults who are either practicing athletes or recreational athletes or former athletes. It's just, it kind of helps uh, maybe lower some of the intimidation, I think, for that population. Like an adult athlete comes to you? Yeah, yeah. Like they're going to do an Ironman and they're tripping out or something? Y- yeah, yeah. Or uh, adult male who's interested in golfing and maybe has the yips and hasn't been able to hit the ball in a certain way. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, what does that look like? Like I come in, I'm like, hey, my tee shot is dog shit or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. how it works. And yeah, then, right. You're like their therapist, psychologist, kind of. Like, kind of. So I me- you're like a mental coach, basically. Well, so I don't spec. I don't work with or specialize in working with performance issues. That's more of like a sport performance psychologist. So I'll refer them in a certain direction if it's that and only that. But what I've worked with, like a baseball player, a pitcher, um, and he couldn't throw and make like throw strike for whatever reason comes and sees me mom had passed away six months ago so we're going to work on that we're going to talk about that and gradually that helped that issue but with other people it's strictly sport performance and that's not where i specialize okay no that makes sense it's uh the underlying issue Mm -hmm. not the issue itself that's that's my practice you're like the home warranty right i don't know that sounds good tell me what you mean yeah like so if you i remember at my house one time i'll tell the story maybe it makes sense I remember like when I first moved into our house, maybe like the third day, I went by the, we had these hardwood floors in our kitchen and I stepped and it was squishy and I'm like, well, I'm fucked. And, uh, you can see the water coming through the cold angle stop had broke and then it flooded obviously, um, all of the, uh, paneling underneath and then obviously the floorboards, but the home warranty covers the cold angle stop, not the flooding. So I'm like, thanks a lot. You're kind of worthless. Mm-hmm. I don't mean you're worthless in that yeah, regard. Yeah. I go, but if you can fix the cold angle stop, then there is no flooding, essentially. Oh, yeah, I like that. So you're trying to, you're the home warranty. I like that. I get that. Thank you. Um, Sorry about your floors, though. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> I'm old, 10 years ago, I can deal with it. Uh, so you're going through those things, obviously, the athletes and stuff. If I come back to the substance abuse, how was that? And like, was there a common theme you worked with there? Like alcohol, mostly drugs, or there's a mix? It was a mix. So I only did it for six months. So this isn't, again, my area of specialty, but what the uh, clinic that I worked at saw everything. You know, you're going to see your narcotics, you're going to see your alcohol, marijuana even. You know, the teens bring in them for mainly marijuana use. Can you guys smoke weed in Iowa yet? No. What? Right. Man, this is... No. Oh, yeah. I understand. <laughs> like like people weren't doing drugs there for the last 150 years <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, it's Ditch crazy. Weed. It's just so weird to me. Like I just, I I get so lost now. I'm like, can you do this here? Can you not do this here? Mm-hmm. It's a wild west here. You can do everything true, now. True. It's crazy. Uh, the most common issues or problems that uh, maybe you deal with or kind of see overall in your practice and what you do. Most of the variations of anxiety and depression or adjustment. So, um, and when it's sport related or not sport related, that's pretty much across the board what I specialize in working with. And during your time doing this, like if it's pre pandemic or during or post, like what were the changes? Like what was life, 
you know, before, if you can remember before COVID starts to be a, a dumpster fire and then during it and then afterwards. So before, uh, from my seat and from clients that I work with pre COVID before everything, it was a different kind of a grind. I think it was here. It, it felt like it was just a lot more structured out. If you're in clinical practice, this is how it has to look. You have to come in the office. You have to sit here. You have to do this. They have to come in on time, you know, check, 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 check. And then the pandemic hits. And I was fortunate enough that I was already working with uh, athletes and other clients um, online, just a couple, because there's not very many in Iowa people who work with who I work with. So I would have people like from the middle of the state and then they don't want to drive over. So let's find a way that we could do like a virtual session Yeah, because it was covered um, or it's self-pay. And then uh, since I had that experience, that was a, more of a natural transition. So during pandemic, like high time, probably I want to say March to dang, I don't even know. I can't even remember. Like you said, it's, it's just the years of fire. So, um, starting in March, everything went virtual. So I didn't even go in the office. I just did everything from my place or from my partner's place, wherever I was at that time. And, you know, I would see the same number of people, but then get them set up and I'm seeing them in their homes and that, you know, this is a different kind of treatment because it's online. So you have to, you know, learn more technique of how to transition or transfer skills and relationship and connection over a screen, um, in a different way for everybody, you know, you're working around home, working with home. So the dog's barking or maybe the kid's there and, you know, you have to, it became less structured. You got to go with the flow. If you're yeah. working with someone at home and they're at home, you, you just got to be okay and make that okay. So that's probably like a positive from it. Yeah, definitely. I would say, I think in, I like having the variation now. So post pandemic, I am a blend. So I'll see some people in office. I'll see some people online. I can do a morning in the office and the afternoon at home. And that has been so awesome. I have um, friends that are in this work and some aren't even back in the office. They're saying, you know what, this works. And insurance plans are still covering it because they didn't used to cover everything. And then pandemic, all of them went to covering everything. And now post-pandemic, there's some that do still cover. And some are like, nah, we ain't playing that no more. So your personal life, it makes that, it's more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, from that aspect, having that flexibility that I can be at home and, you know, like in between sessions, maybe switch the laundry over, like that feels kind of nice. Yeah. Or if somebody doesn't show up because they've got to miss a session at the last minute, um, I'm at home and I can kind of do whatever I want. So that is, it is kind of nice, I think, from that aspect. And then the negative about it, I suppose, like where, if I'm thinking Zoom here, I don't do, we don't do Zoom podcasts. I think they suck. Mm. Um, I don't do Zoom workouts. I don't do any of this shit. Hard line. Um, it's not, it, it's, it isn't good. Like I remember doing a friend I grew up with, he coaches uh, University of Minnesota Morris baseball team. Mm. And I remember talking to them like during um, the pandemic. And I mean, this is the first time I thought of this. These kids are the seniors for sure. They're not going to play. Like yeah. they're done. And I'm sitting there until I got off the, the Zoom call and I was happy to do it. It's 12 people on a screen. It's hard to even like right. deal with it. And the, the barrier to communicate is more difficult. Like mm -hmm. when do you start, stop? There's a slight delay. Mm -hmm. But I got off it. I'm like, imagine if I was like, going to be done playing sports and this was it and you just didn't get to like to play and you didn't get to decide I'm like how shitty like their life would be which yeah. is a different topic altogether yeah. but True. how 
how much worse, or I don't know if it's worse, but would you prefer doing it in person versus Zoom, or are you okay with doing both? Because for me, I would. We only do the podcast, obviously, in person. Like for you, like I've known you forever. But if it's someone, I, maybe I don't know, they're going to be here for you know two, three, four, or five hours. Now I feel like we have a connection. Where over Zoom, I don't feel right. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the in person. I I like the blend. Um, I I can't. I think I like them both. I like aspects of both, and it really depends on the client too. There's some clients that are maybe more comfortable in their homes. So because they're more comfortable in that environment, they're opening up in a different way than maybe they would be in my office. Um, but there is, you know, going back to pandemic during pandemic time, like zoom fatigue was real. Like you're looking at a screen all day, your eyes are tired, you're got a headache, you know, you're sitting in the same seat, you're not getting up. So, um, you know, and then you have other issues that pop up from that. So I like to have the combination and I think, if I had to choose, I would probably pick in person, but I do like to be at home too. It's, it's where do you say that too? Cause I never thought of it that way where because of what you do, they're more comfortable in their own house mm-hmm. where they're still getting help, but it doesn't seem like it's, I don't want to say legit, but I hate going to like the doctor. Yeah. Like you just walk in and I'm like, they're yeah. like your blood pressure's high. I'm like, well, I don't want to fucking be here, dude. <laughs> I just don't. Cause right. you're not going to tell, what's the best thing you're going to tell me? You're normal. I'm like, otherwise, this is fuck, this is fuck. Like, I just don't like being in the environment. Mm-hmm. And you just sterile. can't be relaxed. Yeah. yeah. So I could, I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Did, I guess, how long did you go without seeing anybody in person? Was it months? Oh, uh, yeah, it was months. It was, I don't know, September, fall, maybe October. I want to say fall. So when did you stop seeing people? March of 2020? Yeah, like right it was like St. Patty's Day, Cedar Rapids shut down. I think maybe the world of 2020, which is my holiday, right? Like that's my joint. So I was pretty sad about that. Closed down that. But then I think it's shifted really quick. Like that next week I hit everybody online virtually. And that was Thursday. So back into the next one. And then you didn't see somebody till fall, maybe October, something like that. How was that? Like, do you start to, like, do you start to feel weird because of that or no? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the tough part is because that, that's our job. It's to hold the awkwardness. So it's a little bit weird for me. So you kind of just got to call it out. Like, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. Like, how are you doing? Are you comfortable here? I know this is a little awkward. So just call it out and work through that first. But yeah, you know, and then I'd be like, man, this is, this is an environment shift. I'm used to being at my place in my own space, um, which also I got sick of, you know, I don't want to be at home and have work be at home all the time either. So it was just kind of all the way out and all the way in. And so now it's just kind of nice to have the split. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. Cause you guys, I mean, Iowa gave a fuck less than Arizona. So it was probably closer to normal. Yeah. And then if you were in California, right. Washington or somewhere else. Definitely. For your people. Was there every time you got on a call, at least at the beginning, is like that part of the conversation, like, hey man, this shit's really weird. Yeah. Right. During pandemic time. Yeah. Yeah. It was well, and that's the other thing that you you're in my work, like you're used to having life as normal and then on top of you have like the the foundation is whatever it is for those people and then you work on their issues. But during pandemic time, it was their issues, but it's also like this big elephant for them and for me. So it's like, we're both going through this thing at the same time. So how are we navigating this? And 
it just adds, it just compounds to the work that you're doing and makes it so much more difficult to, to drive because it's just layers on layers on layers of stuff. Wait, cause for me, like I typically have a good day every day. Like it's just, yeah. I'm lucky, whatever. I work hard, my brain, whatever is mm-hmm. fucked up as it is. Like I'm thankful it's mine, not somebody else's, but so I can just go through and I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Like so many days and Heather didn't feel good mm-hmm. where I'd come home from here and sometimes she'd just be face down on the couch watching. Yeah. What is that? It's like Tay Diggs is in it. It's a football show on Netflix. Oh, like All American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All American, I think. And she'd be just watching it, and I'm sure it's a great show. But I'm like, bro, this is not productive. And she is not that. Like, that is not who she is. Everything that ripped away one day. And just feels so strange. And even, like, we'd find ourselves going to sleep at 6.45. And it's like, I can hear the neighborhood kids playing. And I I remember, I don't want to tell all these COVID stories but I remember walking around McCormick Ranch like the day before we closed this down in March Mm -hmm. and I just felt so shitty Mm -hmm. and I'm like calling Monica and I'm like are we really gonna like close the fucking gym down like is this a thing like because this has been my life like for so long and then they see this little kid like ride his bike by and I go can I just be like eight and not know what the fuck is going on and I bring that up because if I felt shitty and I felt bad I can imagine somebody who maybe lost a job or a loved one and has like four kids, they got to be eating shit on top of their normal problems. Yeah. And that has to be, I'm sure, I'm sure you dealt with it obviously like right up front too, like quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. The only thing I looked forward to during like the legit pandemic, you know what it was? The last dance. The Michael Jordan yeah. documentary, because every Sunday would come True. out for two hours, and I go, at least thank thank the Lord that this is this is still out. <laughs> so for two hours, I could forget my shitty life oh, God, and watch right. it, and that was at least my saving grace. It was. It was every. It was desolate, like truly desolate time for everybody. But you know, I mean, even now, there's uh, there's been a lot of languish. Like people are. I mean, they're just we're kind of out of it in some areas, but are we out of it? And is it going to get taken away again? And so it's just hard for some people to let go and be back. Well, has that, that time span like made this backup worse for seeing people like yourself? Do you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Cause I'm sure there's people, well, and we've heard it here from physicians where, and this is like way back. So I'm, I'm dating kind of what's going on here. Um, people are scared to go to the, the hospital because yeah. like they don't want to get quote unquote COVID or whatever it may be. Right. But they fell and they have like their spine is jacked and they're having trouble walking, but they don't want to. I go, you can't fucking walk, dude. You need to go like see somebody mm-hmm. where people were delaying these normal appointments for maybe it's you know, cancer screenings, physicals or the mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. And my fear is that you're going to see this wave of like a mental health kind of shit show mm-hmm. of anxiety and depression kind of roll on. And that's if people get treatment, you know, so there's some people, like you're saying, if they're not going to the hospital, there are some people who are dealing with mental health issues and they're not getting treatment. So yes, there's an influx with me because also if you have virtual option, then maybe you don't have as many people miss sessions. So it's, you know, they're keeping their sessions and they're able to make more sessions, which, you know, closes that window for people to come in, but also that there's not enough to see everybody, enough providers to see everybody. And then also suicide higher rates of mental illness, all these other effects if people don't get help or can't. 
And is there a time like you're going through this and maybe even since you started your career, like who do you talk to? Like who do you, like my wife will unleash on me, I'll share my shit with her. Um, usually it sucks because like the person you're the closest to, usually you're the meanest to, True. which really, yeah. I don't understand why we do that. Safe space. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I always will, I'll joke with her. I'm like, just treat me like I'm a coworker. Like, just treat me like I'm your boss or a Marriott <laughs> employee. Cause like, what the fuck dude? I'm like, I didn't do it. I'm on your team. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like we're teammates. Yeah. Like, but yet we'll, we'll do that. So because of what you do, I'll hear a lot of stories here. I'm sure it's like, you know, one-tenth of, of what you hear. Like I hear the the cancer stuff. I hear the losses, the divorces, all the things that come in. How do you basically compartmentalize that or separate it from your normal life? And does some of that stuff like stay with you? Uh, community. I think it really comes down. Like you are part of your people who come in here and they talk to you. You're sort of like a gatekeeper. So they come to you and they trust you. So they will share with you. So if you have a referral, like if, if I'm here and you say, you know what, I got this friend, she's great. Go talk to her, whatever. For me, it's also community. So I have people who do the work that I do and I'll call them. I'd be like, I can't fucking get out of bed and do this today. Like I'm dreading it. I don't know if I can do it. And maybe I do take a day and just veg or whatever it is. I'm lucky to have a partner who functions in a very different way than I do. Um, probably more similar to you and where I get just sort of crushed and like, I need to just be and not do anything and just kind of maybe be a potato for a little bit. He's like, all right, you want to watch a movie? You know, big deal. And he's just, I think that he sees and is helpful. So community. And I have really great friends that, you know, they, I think don't fully understand because I can't talk about it. Right. So I go home and I can't, talk about it's protected information yeah but also you just have to have a really important um self-care routine for yourself which i i will readily admit that i don't necessarily practice as much as i should um you know like have good boundaries on where you're putting your energy and what is it that gives and doesn't give you energy and make sure you engage in those things and rest and self-care and however that looks like how often does like something like someone shares with you do you take it home like, does it stay with you? Or can the most of the time you just like, you leave it at the door and you kind of go about your life? Um, I, I think I'm getting better at the leaving it at the door part, but I, I don't think that I take specific cases home, but I do take a weight home. Like if it was a specifically big day where I had somebody come in who had maybe like engaged in like self-injurious behavior over the weekend since I last saw them or someone is having just such high anxiety in school and they can't really function and, you know, things that we're working on just aren't effective. You know, for me that it is a big weight because I just, I want to be helpful and I have to understand in my role all the time, remind myself like the powers in their hands. And that's always something I have to just come back to. So it's not necessarily case by case as much as it is just a combination and compounding of what's going on. So most days I'm sure you wake up and you're like, you know what? This is what I'm supposed to do. This is yep. my craft. I love it. Yep. And then maybe a handful of days a year, you're like, what the fuck? Well, yeah. In the last couple of years, there's probably been more than I'd like to admit, but it's, yeah. it's still like, okay, you know, take care of you so you can help other people take care of themselves. And I do really love what I do. And all the people that I get to work with are really incredible. Honestly, like the things that I hear and the things that people like me hear, it's 
it's hard, but you also get to witness people's resilience and strength, like right in front of you. And sometimes I'm just taken aback. Like you just went through all that and you're still sitting in here talking to me, like you're going to get through it. And you have this little, even if it's a little bright light and you're holding on to that, I'm like, Oh, well shut up, Katie, figure it out. Uh, perspective is real. Yeah, for sure. Major. Um, I guess probably that's a benefit of like doing what you do. You can hear, I always, the saying is like you, we could throw all our, our problems in a pile in the middle of the room. And if you could see what everybody else is dealing with, you'd run back in and grab your shit pretty fast. <laughs> this is, yeah, like, that's true. That's kind of how I, cause I hear people all yeah. day and I'm like, okay, dude, um, maybe don't be an asshole today. Like, don't be a dick. It's or, easy. Well, here we call it luxury problems in Scottsdale, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So I'll use the example where someone will come in and be like, my Porsche got a flat tire and their whole day is ruined. And now I'll be getting a flat tire sucks, sure. but you're driving a $150,000 car, bro. Like you'll be okay. Mm, patch it up. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you'll see like, oh, we're having a, you know, Ukraine and, and Russia are going fucking crazy. And you're like, okay, um, if the line yeah. at, at the coffee place is long, like I can. Yeah. My bougie ass coffee. I can still yeah. spend my 550. So you get the perspective at least there, yeah. but it has to be a grind sometimes where, cause even for me, like. I love like what we do here, but it is, it, it swallows you. Mm-hmm. It's consuming. Yeah. I call it, and you've built your business like me from a thought in your brain. Yep. It's like, it's literally made up. Like what is your, what's the website? Johnson counseling LLC. That's made up. Made it up. Yeah. I just literally sat in the attorney's office. Like, I don't know. Fuck that. Do yeah. That. Sure. Uh, let's just put my name and put fitness behind it. <laughs> here we go. Like, what the fuck are we doing? This is made up shit, <laughs> you know, but like this we do. And I'm sitting here. And then you build it over time and it becomes like this. If you watch like the show Dexter, uh, it's like your dark passenger. Uh, you know, it's your kid basically. Yeah, right. Like you've molded this and you care about Maybe. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you care about a person. Well, it's like your heart. It's like a manifestation of you. Yeah. Yeah. And you give, that's what I'm saying. Cause you give so much and we always, mm-hmm. I try to with each relationship and I'm sure you're similar, be a fountain, not a drain. Mm-hmm. So if I can give 51 and take 49, I'm always going to be, and that's not every relationship. Like sometimes you'll be the hand that's reaching versus the hand that's giving, but you basically wake up and just have to pour into people all day. Yeah. Is there days where you come home, like maybe on a weekend or it's like a Friday and you're like, fuck it, dude, I just can't go see people. Like I just got to chill and just hang out. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Does it happen a lot or no? Uh, again, I think in the last couple of years, more often than I'd like to admit, um, but I, I pull it together. I pull it together. Yeah. I like to have fun. Like what is your like self-care routine? Like what are the things that you do maybe specifically to keep yourself like sane, whether it's the last couple of years or just in general, like, Hey, I wake up, I do this practice, I exercise, I eat a certain way, I go to sleep at a certain time or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think the the thing that I, I think mentioned before that I have to keep coming back to, you know, there's obviously I like to, I got, we got Pelotons. I really like to ride my bike. And oh, you guys are, you guys are those people. We got those. Here we go. But it is a really good bike. It does help. We don't actually do, I'm in a sidebar there. We don't actually do as much of the instructor stuff. It's usually just get on and crush for, you know, an hour or so. But I mean, it's a good bike. I mean, so. you have a bike tattoo. This is not a real I was going to say, I'm like, you have a fuck. I'm like, this you guys have fucking real. bike tattoos. This is not real. I'm starting to worry about this you one's guys. Real. This is not real. Oh my God. Yeah, I knew. I should have probably told you beforehand. Like, this is. Because, look, you can see it. I slept on it. So, oh, night. where's that from? We, a uh, gal in a group that we're doing the bike trip with, got them for everybody. So, like, two week tattoos. You guys are riding bike. Where are you riding bikes, too? Uh, just around Arizona or around Scottsdale. 
back and forth from the west end and we'll go like a 50 miler and come back and then next day do the same thing. oh so you guys legit ride bikes yeah 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 because we have some tribe people here oh sure yeah they're crazy iron man guy right there oh yeah we got a couple he's a psychopath he'll be like oh i'm gonna go do an 85 mile bike ride today i'm like what, the <laughs> what is wrong with you that's where you drive your car, you psychopath. I know. Well, but that's kind of more solitary activity for me is what I need because I I think I'm more, you know, you think about the introvert, extrovert. I think I am naturally more extroverted, but also can just flex and be by myself at the same time. And it's, it's about really just finding that balance for me because I'll sit and listen and listen and listen and listen. And then I'll go out with friends and listen and listen, 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 or go see family, listen, listen. And it's just, I got to not listen. Or I got to save my fucks. You know? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So exercise is a huge part of it. Yes. Is there anything you read? Do you meditate? Is there any of those things? Yeah. Um, I. It, it's not like a meditation practice traditional, but, you know, I mean, meditation is pretty flexible. I have to have at least an hour every morning together. Like it's sitting in, in the quiet, either if it's with my dog or just a cup of coffee, and I'm either reading whatever book I'm reading at that time, uh, Amy Cuddy, Presence, is what I'm reading right now. I really like that book. Um, but also just, it's quiet. I don't have the TV on. I don't have anything on. So I have to just start the day that way. And, day. and if you don't, does your day kind of just get funky? Uh, I think I get funky. I'm probably not as nice. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not as nice. I hear that. <laughs> well, again, like that's such a, we've had, I had David Romanelli on here. He's a huge meditation guy, mm. crazy. I had Sergio Rojas on. He actually hung out with the Dalai Lama for like a month. What? Some, yeah, some crazy shit. And he's like, do you meditate? I'm like, well, I tell this story all the time. This car's going to go one of these days. Um, that's a whole different story. Uh, but the legend of it is keeps growing, so I keep holding on to it. Um, about five years ago, my car battery died. They had to basically die every year in Arizona because it's 200 degrees. Oh, okay. Took it in. They're like, hey, do you have the code for the radio? I'm like, nah, dude. He's like, well, if you just take it back to like, you know, Honda or whatever, like they'll fix it for you and your radio will work. Well, clearly I'm not going to waste 30 minutes doing that shit. <laughs> so for the past five or six years, I've had zero sound in my car. Like nothing. There's no radio. There's no noise. It can, It makes yeah, nothing. Except so, the hum of the car. That's it. So every morning, like if I drive here when I come super early, which is, like, you know, 4, mm -hmm. 45 in the morning, yeah. there's no noise. Yeah. And that's my, because I, I don't get an hour. Mm -hmm. I wake up, do my shit. My dog wants the treats. Boom, I'm out the door. And by yeah. the time I key in here, these guys are a foot behind me. Yeah. And they want to, they're like ready to talk and hang out. And I'm right. like, you guys, I need like five fucking minutes because mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my shit. Huge. Yeah. yeah. So I was just wondering like your, and then again, when people leave, like when you guys bounce from here, mm -hmm. I'll load this. No one will be here to be quiet. So there is something to be said, like when you are yeah. pouring into people all day. Well, and think about the world. It's just, we're always going and in some personalities, they're always going. But if you don't sit and just be and listen, you're going to miss your own signals, you know, like, oh, I, that hurts or that doesn't feel right. Or I am really emotionally exhausted. I need a minute. You know, maybe you don't pay attention if you don't have the time to do that. Especially if you're taking on all the normal adult things plus like right. what you do for work. Is that why you say the cap is like, well, about 25 people is kind of it? Like you probably, there's diminishing returns. Like you can make more money, I right. guess. Yep. But you're shittier at your craft if you do more. Great way to put it. Exactly. Like in a perfect world, if like if money wasn't, uh, it wasn't even a factor, if it didn't matter, would 25 still be the number? Or you're like, you know what? I'd be better at 15 for like a better balance probably yeah i think i could 
15 to 20, depending on the week. If I did like an alternate, like 15 this week, 20 next week, I think that that would be much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you think about like pro athletes. I remember watching um, Steve Nash was working out with like Baron Davis. Mm. Man, I mean, just crushing it. Like all the drills didn't miss for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I could still play. He goes, but like every third day. Yeah, yeah. He goes, because my body just can't take it anymore. And I thought about that, like the stupid shit I used to do, we used to wear being tired as like a badge of honor. And now I'm like, I can't, it steals from the next day. Mm-hmm. And if you could, and what we do, I think in America is just fucked anyway. Like it's, I love it here. It's great. You have the most opportunity, but it is also hyper competitive. And I'm willing to do things other people won't do. That's why I've won. But if I could do it like every other day, mm-hmm. It would be the quality. I think would be better. Yeah. And then mentally, I wouldn't be as crazy. Would you though? I mean, I'd still be fucked. Yeah. I'm still. I'm yeah. I'm still. Yeah. Well, wiry. I think like what's the there's like a survey where they would ask if you had an extra day of the week, like an mm. eighth day, what would you do with it? And I think I would just keep grinding. Same. Like I I'm, mean, we'd all probably just squander it. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the way it goes. We chase it. So if I change gears to like some of the depression stuff maybe you deal with, if it's depression, anxiety, is there like a major difference? Like, I think we sometimes merge them Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Like, how do you kind of break those two up? Or like, what does that mean? Um, yeah. So they definitely play off of each other. I think depression, you think, do you deal with that a lot? Both you mean? Or depression? Yes. Yes, definitely. Adults, kids or both? Um, mainly I'm trying to think of my, Probably both, mainly yeah. both, but anxiety is, a, is kind of, they've, again, yes, they feed off of each other. If you think of depression as more, um, I guess more downward and anxiety typically tends to go send things more upward. So when you're depressed, you're not getting out of bed, you have lower energy, lower motivation, which these things are also with anxiety and can be an impact of anxiety, but you also have more like different kinds of tension between the two yeah um depression's more mood based anxiety i think being more uh cognitive based or uh at least how it presents itself that makes sense and how like when you get somebody and they come in and they have anxiety about you know who knows what it is like i'm sure it manifests itself in different ways in a lot of people mm-hmm. how do you even start to like strip that down or like how do you help them like either cope with it overcome with it or even identify like mm-hmm what it is like you go root cause or like in, in what, in what are those things cause from there? Yeah. So somebody comes in and sees me for the first time, I take a full history of them. You know, that's over usually a few appointments. So it's, it's sort of making a map uh, for me. I work from, you know, just the whole individual. So what is your personal history? What's your family history? What's your bio, like biological history, um, chemical history, anything that I can get, but also socially, what are you doing? Uh, psychologically, what's going on? What are your symptoms? And just painting as big of a picture as I can, but at the same time, I've got to build a relationship so somebody will tell me these things. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's hard to come in when you're struggling and open up to somebody. Um, but like you said, once you break that wall down and ask, it, it gets easier. Um, 
And from there, once you sort of have the picture, just like you were saying, you have somebody, what is going on? How do we supplement what's happening? It's what are your tools that you already have? What can we refine? But what else can we build? Or what is going on cognitively? What are you believing about the situation that maybe is distorted? Because that's what happens with anxiety and depression. So how do we straighten those things out so that you can be more productive and effective in the way that you want to be? It has to be tough. I'm sure, I guess, how far do you go back when you ask them, like, for, you're talking like childhood shit sometimes? Birth, really. Um, I mean, you know, when you think about attachment, so if you have a child who's born prematurely, you know, you're going to have health effects on that child, depending on what it is. If you have a missing parent, if you're, you know, you're raised by a single mom or maybe dad was there, but worked a lot, you know, what was that like? How did you form those relationships and how do they show up in your life now? And like, what are the, like, if people are like out there, like, do sometimes people not even identify it in themselves? Like maybe they just, they know something's wrong, but they don't know what exactly it is. Yeah. Or they, they know something's wrong. They don't know what it is. Or they think that I'm just not strong enough to get through it. I, I have to be strong enough. They think it's, it's something about me when really sometimes we just do get to a point where the situation or your genes or your hereditary you know, anything that you've taken on from before or whatever situation that you're dealing with is just too heavy. And you don't have to do that by yourself. Just like you called somebody, your plumber, whoever it was to fix your, you know, and fix the carpets and yeah. whatever the pipe thing was. Cold angle stop. That thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you called somebody because it was outside of your skills. Yeah. You know, it's a problem to the point where I need help. I'm going to call somebody. Same thing. And a lot of times like do... I mean, maybe you know, maybe you don't. Like, do their partners, like, recognize something's wrong? Yeah, parents and partners getting that, uh, I guess, evidence and objective view is really helpful because, yeah, maybe that's not what's not top of mind for them because maybe they're just so low energy and can't get out of these things that they're not noticing what they're eating or they're not noticing these other different habits or things that are happening in their life that could be contributing to it. It's crazy too because you can live with somebody and we're so busy in our own shit all the time. That's why I'm not a huge fan of when people worry about, and I'm sure I'll touch on this in a second, where the comparison stuff with social media and with kids and different things. And I don't have a lot of gifts and my parents, you know, taught me some things, a lot of things they didn't. I just had to figure it the fuck out. But the one thing they never did was like tell me I couldn't do something and there was never this emphasis that I should care what people think, mm-hmm. which is a gift and a curse for sure. Um, I go, <laughs> but it's probably the greatest gift, one of them that I've ever gotten because I don't have this thing that so many other people have where like they care about what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. And I try to tell people and relay that to them. I'm like, I go, do you understand? Like, I remember like in college, like you take a speech class yeah. and I'm just like, I post this on Instagram the other day on my story where uh, this is like elementary school. The teacher's going around the room and everybody has to read a paragraph. And I'm like, you're counting the fucking kids. I'm like, okay, I'm paragraph like nine and this is where it's going to be. And you're in this like sheer panic, like sweating, like, cause you're going to just sound like a fucking idiot <laughs> when you read it. And when I'm in fifth grade, I don't know what that feeling is. That is anxiety. Yeah. And I used to call it like the Sunday sickness. And like my friends of ours, we would talk about that yeah. where I loved Friday afternoon. I love Saturday. And Sunday around noon, like when the Vikings were on, I started to feel shitty. 
And I didn't know what that was until I got older. I'm like, oh, because I fucking hated school so much, I had this anxiety and feeling. Mm -hmm. And I I tie that in because in college, I remember being in speech and I didn't speak the way I do now. Not that I I speak great, but it's, it's night and day from the kid I was. I realized I'm like, nobody gives a shit what I'm talking about because I don't give a shit what they're talking about. And in a roundabout way, we are all so individually busy. Mm -hmm. We might not notice our partner is struggling. And I wonder if you see it's worse in dudes than women, meaning dudes tend to be less vocal. Or if you ask a dude, how you doing? I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we always say, Mm -hmm. but you're not okay. Uh, Do you think women tend to be better or what do you see? Yeah, I think as I think women uh, like cis women are gent like they are able to and encouraged to be more emotional and access their emotions and talk about things. Like we were sort of conditioned to do that, whereas men, be that as it is, were not as allowed. Um, not that they're not allowed, but emotions you know, you're allowed to be angry. But other than that, if you're a dude and you're caught crying. You better run. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not going to survive I won't share. That. I won't share the terms that we say to each other that <laughs> still go on to this day. Yeah, right. Uh, but, when, but in my office, if, if I get a guy in my office or a man in my office or a teenager in my office, whatever that is, it is a different wall that you got to go around for the most part. And it also presents differently, just like, you know, depression, anxiety, person to person, um, male to female, whatever that might be, it, it is different. Yeah. It can be. Is there a major difference you see between dudes and females in terms of it? Or it's just harder to crack a dude, I guess. But, I mean, if he's there, he's already coming for right. help. Yeah. I yeah. guess my my fear is that dudes just don't even take the first step. Um. Yeah, it's typically situational. It, it's It's got to get to a point, I think. for I mean, for a lot of people, it's got to get to a point. But the, at least the males that I've worked with, it has gotten to the point where you're getting a divorce or you've got to work on something. So that gets them in, in my door or, you know, something happened over the weekend and they got too drunk and then they got scared and okay, now I, I, it's just something has to shock the system to bring them in. Um, but not everybody. I have also just had, you know, athletes, I'm not performing to the level that I want to and something's going on. So they come in and we talk about it and just strip it down and try to find the root of what's going on. And then what do you give them, like tools to move forward or how does it work? Honestly, it's um, sort of a um, sort of a placebo effect, I think, just to come in the office. Yeah. Just coming in, having somebody to talk to where you're not judged. And even if you judge yourself, somebody's like, hey, that that's pretty rough, dude. Do you think you need to talk to yourself like that? What's helpful about that? And it sort of, you can see sometimes it just sort of shifts and then they leave and they come back again and I chewed on this and it's just, it builds on itself. It's weird how that works. You can think if you don't feel great or you think something's wrong, mm-hmm. uh, we go on Google and self-diagnose, which is... Oh yeah, Dr. Google. Yeah. it's a, Or Dr. TikTok now. Is that a real thing? You don't know how many times I have people come into my office, wonderful TikTok, I think obviously the internet opens up things and resources and information, but also gift and a curse, you gift and a curse. You get to interpret that and apply it to yourself. However it fits for you and however you need it to sort of a bias kind of a thing. So I, people come in and I think I have bipolar disorder. Let's talk about it because people on TikTok share that shit. Yes. I, first of all, I cannot say bad things about social media. It has changed my life in ways that would never be possible Bless for a, a ghetto-ass dude like me. 
However, I can't fucking stand TikTok, dude. Like, it is, I'm so old. It is so loud when I log in. I go, why is there a girl screaming right now or a mom wearing no fucking clothes? And why am I seeing this? I didn't click on anything. I go, we posted for business, but it just, Uh I'm just in fear. It's overwhelming. Like, just how much is there? It's wonderful, but it's overwhelming. The stimulus. Yes. It's too entirely. much. I like, yeah. I enjoy the internet and I enjoy this format, obviously, because you and I can catch up, hang out, mm-hmm. but it's not my time mm-hmm. and I can be social. I can be, and then I can turn it off. Right. I look at like a TikTok type feed is like going to um, Coachella, which seems like it'd be like one of my worst nightmares, like being trapped with like 800 people doing fucking Molly. Like I just, those days are Stampeded. over. Stampeded. Yeah. 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 So people do self-diagnose like that. Yeah, well, and I think, again, I think it can be helpful because it helps them see, oh, you know, like I go through that too. Maybe I should talk about this. So it allows people maybe to open the door to something, but I'm just glad that they have, hopefully have somebody with some training that can say, you know what, that's actually not what's going on, but there is something going on. Let's let's talk about it. So it's like surface level. You could maybe see what it could be and then take the next step and actually yeah. get help from someone. Right. Follow the steps. Well, I look at that too. Like you can convince yourself of almost anything. Anything. Um, so like, you know, if you you don't feel great, then you go to the doctor and then they tell you you're fine. All of a sudden, sometimes you just feel better because yeah. somebody told you. You And it's it's sort of a emotional band-aid in a sense. Like I was struggling in this hurt and somebody helped me feel better because our emotions, I think you probably do this in your work too, your emotions, psychologically, you know, your mental, all these things, physical, they all intertwine. And if one's off, the other two got to compensate and they might not always be on the same page. So how do we get them on the same page all fire in together? So you give them essentially like, is it a homework sometimes? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I try not to do that. I work with college kids. I work with like high school. They don't need extra yeah. work, but it's like, how I don't mean homework. I don't this? mean homework like. But extra work, but it's like, yeah. how about you chew on this for yeah. the week? Sort of a thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's multifaceted for sure. Gain awareness. Yeah. We, I just say, you know, just work out through it. Just have a shitty day. Just work out. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's my uh, that's my number one. But that is your if that works for you and that's your tool, then you got to use that. You yeah. know, if you're in my office and you're saying this is what helps, I'm like, well, okay, do, do it. Do that thing. Yeah. Sometimes I, I think for people we get lost in it has to be this complex. Yeah. And if you just do the things that make you feel good, mm-hmm. more often than not, it's great. And I'll I'll give the example. I've shared this on here before. Uh, like during the pandemic where I'm like, I don't feel good. I, what would I do when I would come here? I'd work out. Sometimes my workouts would even be shitty because I would feel weird. And maybe because I'm like, is this ever going to be fucking over? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm listening to these assholes on TV saying, we're never going to shake hands again, which first of all, insanity. Cause I think of myself, I go, if I was 18 and somebody told me that I'm like, I'm out drinking 20 beers at a time, trying to have sex with anybody I possibly can. I go, we're not going to shake hands. I go, are you fucking crazy, bro? But you're going to have sex. That's okay, apparently. Yeah, but like, how would you control a college kid? Like when right. you're in your heyday doing dumb shit. Right. So I knew it would be over, but that's my rational brain. But as I now watch the news or something, which I watch nothing, I just, I can't anymore. 
um, yeah, I'm out of fan. Although if you ever hear uh, Breaking Points is a great podcast. Okay. Uh, Crystal and Soccer. They used to be at the Hill. He's kind of more right. She's kind of more left. They just kind of share things mm-hmm. at face value. It's not okay. like breaking Breaking Point. You said. Yeah. Okay. I'll send it to you when we get off. Cool. Um, but I do watch. Anyways, I couldn't watch anything, and I would feel like shit. And I found myself, I couldn't even watch like negative shows. Like if one of those dog commercials is on, where they're like, oh, help rescue this dog. Like, turn this shit off. Fatigue. Yeah. Emotional fatigue. And so all I would watch is I watched eight seasons of Log Cabin Living. Um, And I'm like, I'd be like, Heather, look at this. We could buy this mansion, Log Cabin on the Lake in Wisconsin for $260,000 if we just move. And then it would like show it in wintertime. And I'd be like, never mind. We're <laughs> not. We're not doing that. I go, but it was like, that's all I could do. Yeah. I'd like watch that if The Last Dance was on or like The Office. Just things that made me feel good. Because I would say, I go, I can't watch a movie that's sad because I already just feel so fucked. But I could identify that in myself. You sometimes I don't think people can yeah. do that. Well, and that's another thing is people, at the, sometimes the things that they're facing, whatever it is that they're going through, I don't like that. I don't want that anymore. So they'll put it away and they won't have access to that part of themselves anymore. So like maybe I don't like aspects of my body. So I'm not going to pay attention to that anymore. Well, now I'm not getting the signals that I need because that's a way of coping. It's one of many ways of coping. Yeah. It's kind of like ignoring it. Yeah, kind of. But those things aren't really, like that's not a problem. And I'll, I'll ask that in a second because you do work with females, obviously, and probably like some specific female issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I wrote this down somewhere. The, like the body image stuff, mm-hmm. which obviously in our world is a huge uh, piece. I've done a whole podcast on like body dysmorphia. Yeah. All of us who are like me in this world that look a certain way with no clothes on, mm-hmm. we're fucked. Like in, in one way or the other. And I don't mean it negatively. Like I'm very thankful. I'm very happy. I'm in a good place in my brain and how I look and feel. Mm-hmm. But it probably wasn't until I was 30 years old. And I'd already been on, I don't know how many magazine covers, these giant billboards at all these fitness things. I'm already this person. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking by and I'm like, oh, you look pretty good. And, and I had been doing this for a damn near a decade plus at that point, because what I found is when you have this kind of body dysmorphia, and I'll let you run in a second, you get out of the shower and you look at yourself in the mirror. And what most people tend to do is we focus on the negative, not the positive. So if we have two or three things we don't like about ourselves, we'll stare at it, we'll scrunch, we'll touch it, we'll grab it, we'll move it. And it creates this almost you know, psychosis, if you will, in your brain of thinking you're too fat, you're too short, or if it's, if I'm going to general, I'm generalizing women here. I need Botox. I need fillers. My hair is gray, whatever it is. And then we hype it up and we, it creates this anxiety and it creates a problem that it's real to them, Mm -hmm. but it's not real to the rest of us. Like I'm sure you see some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think if any girl, if I'm working with athletes, especially any female who comes in is, probably circling that, but I have this list of symptoms that is all available and uh, many of them body image concerns because it's either how they look or how they, their body has changed. So I'll see athletes who are maybe done participating in their sport and obviously you're not working out in the same way. So things change and how do I deal with that? And what does that mean? And what does that mean about me? And just like you're saying, it becomes sometimes obsessive to the point where we're rewriting what we think and believe about ourselves, And then that is the truth that we see in front of us. Yeah. It distorts reality. Yes. Like super quick. Yes. And I imagine the longer you do it, 
the worse it, it gets. Perpetuated. Right. And like, where does that, is that a natural thing? Like, do you think it comes like, I, like my old man, like obviously doesn't exercise. He looks nothing like me um, in terms of like physical body. So no one put that on me, mm-hmm. but me. And is that because I like played with He-Man growing up and G.I. Joe's or because I watched fucking Arnold and Rocky and I just wanted to be jacked? Or is it like I'm going to create this body as like this external armor in case I suck at anything else? At least I'm still shredded and my life is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I think about yeah. that sometimes and I'm like, why is it that it's so important to me? And I can appreciate it now. But when I was younger, like I just I couldn't appreciate where it was at. And I. Mm-hmm. I bring it up because I, I, there's a lot of women we work with, beautiful, super fit, and I don't think they appreciate like how they look and how they are right now. Mm-hmm. And one day they'll be 77 and be like, fuck, when I was 45, I was a smoke show. Yeah. Like I should appreciate it at that. I know. Like that picture I showed you of us, I'm like, you know what? We look better now. I think so. I think we look way better now. Um, <laughs> I look way. I look older. I look. I look way more like Bruce Willis now than I, I used to. Uh, I also, I also, yeah. But I, I, I had this talk with with David Jack and John Berardi was here uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I shared this a million times. David right. Jack asked me the question. He's like, "Would you be okay if your body was taken away from you?" And I like to give the answer of like, "Oh yeah, I'd be okay," but I'm like, "No." Like I wouldn't be okay right away mm-hmm. because it's oh. like you've put so much time into it and yes. it's, it's our business card, whether we like yeah. it or not. Yeah. And when you are so, I guess, overly obsessed with certain aspects of it, I don't know, you see yourself in this negative light that nobody else does. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do people get out of like that shit? You're writing a story and then, and somebody else is going to write a different story. It's really, I think. I do what I do, but just like you, there's a lot of shit I don't know. Yeah. But what, from what I've seen, what I experience, it comes down to fear and power or control. Both power and control, probably. You know, we go to these things where we can feel a sense of control. I can't control that my partner is, you know, breaking up with me or whatever, but I can't control how much I do and don't eat. I can't control what's going on in Ukraine and that's really bothering me and all these things, but I can't control how my body looks. You know, like having some source of just like you're saying, my body, my armor, that is something I can control. I can't control who comes to me and I'm afraid of that, but I can have this armor and I can control that. So what I typically do and what I hope, you know, hopefully it works and is helpful. It seems to, but you know, it's, it's working on the fear. And so let's tackle the fear and where do you have control in your life that you're maybe not giving yourself credit for having and what is so debilitating about the fear? How can we work with that? Because fear is normal. We need it. Don't get rid of it. But how can we make it adaptive rather than maladaptive? Or like, what did they say as kids? What is like, there's like the good stress and the bad stress. Yeah. Essentially. You need both. Um, But the worrying. Yeah. It's like a rocking chair, I say. Something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Nice. And if I think about it in terms of aging too, just because this is fitness and it it is vanity driven, even though like we do it from the inside out. So if Mm -hmm. you work on everything inside externally, like you can, you know, look unless you're crazy, you know, kind of the way you want for the most part, (laughs) but you're going to get older. Yes. It's just part of the game, dude. And yet we just, we hold, we just try to hold on. Well, when I was 26, I'm like, yeah, dude, you're not 26 anymore. Well, when I was 18, I'm like, yeah, we're not. Let it go, Uncle that's a, Rico. That's all. You know, if the coach would have put me in, would have, would have won state. This is real. 
Napoleon Dynamite, for you guys yes, who don't know. Yes. Um, so if we talk of the sports-related stuff, uh, I've had Colleen Fosh on here a bunch of times. She, um, national champion swimmer um, at Cal. She's stronger than almost every normal dude. She's stronger than every normal dude I know. She's stronger than most fitness dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, just touching on the body image stuff, like she would say like in college, she's like, I was just, I thought my arms were too big and I hated it. Yet for performance, she is a division one national champion Yes, and moves, moves into CrossFit, becomes like the 20th, like fittest woman in the world, you know, built like, and I mean this in the most loving way because she's amazing. Like a, like, like a dude, like most dudes would love to be as jacked as sure. she is. And now she's like, my arms are too small. So she flipped like a complete, yeah. you know, 180 is most of the anxiety stuff you see with sports, is it around just performance? Is it around how I look? Or is there like this connection that they're all kind of married together? Yeah, they're usually interlayered, um, you know, and it depends on what's going on per person. I think it, I don't see as much of that type of athlete, um, but I think it is a it's a mix. A lot of anxiety. Um, I'm not doing well enough. I've got to do better. A lot of performance anxiety from that aspect, not necessarily. It's like, I've got to do it all the time. What happens if I'm not perfect? I've got to be perfect. It's, you know, the, the goalpost always moves. It never stays and you never celebrate. And, um, you know, there's also a lot of relational stuff. Uh, you know, there are people, are they getting along with coach? Is, you know, do you have enough rest? You're also a nursing student. So are you getting enough there so how do you manage an anxiety about time and yeah it's just it really is I think athletes themselves have sort of that double-edged sword of they're probably one of the populations that could use the most help because they are balancing so much yet their environment is such where there is so much more stigma for athletes to seek that sort of service one it is a job too uh, right. like right. they're taking on a lot. I had, um, Tyler Owens is here on Sunday. Right. He played at Alabama, like for Saban and worked there. And now he's the head strength guy at U of A. And he's like, it's, it's your life, dude. And I don't think a lot of people understand the demands that these kids go through. And so touching on that with the perfectionist shit, which I do not suffer from because I fuck up a lot of stuff and that's probably never going to change where I'll send an email out and it might be like 5,000 words and Heather would be like, you misspelled this word here. I'm like, just focus on the 4,000 correct <laughs> words, not the wrong yeah. one. Or you said then instead of then. And I'm like, first of all, I'm an idiot. I don't know the difference. I can't tell punctuation. I'm like, I'm just like trying to help people. Word got across. Yeah. So how do you, how does one tackle that? If they're, if somebody's listening and they're like, well, I'm, everything has to be perfect, you know? And I don't just mean, and maybe you see it too. Like, yes, sports, I understand, which there's no such thing. Like in, in baseball, if you're a great hitter, seven out of 10 times, you're not going to get on base mm-hmm. basketball. If you're a great shooter, 50% you're missing minimum, right. right? But there might be the mom. Well, my kids have to be perfect. Like my, my house has to be perfect. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you even unpack like that from somebody who really holds on to that? Uh, you get to know what are the conditions that are getting them to that point. So w- where have you learned this? Where have you heard it? Where has it worked? Where has it not worked? Because it, everything it, it, we've used something because it has worked at some point perfectionism maybe isn't great for some things, but maybe it is for others. You know, it can be motivating and it can be helpful. And, um, you know, I I like to work a lot also with getting to know what it's like in your body and this, this stress, what is it like when you're in this 
and what does this feel like? If you were to imagine this, how does this feel? If you were to imagine this, how does this feel? So it's going in, again, we're going back to the realms, you know, mental, emotional, physical, all these other pieces of a person. How do we get them online and piece it apart again? Also, what's your situation in your world and what's helping and what's not? Who's helping and who's not? Because I'd imagine that has to be one of the worst afflictions. Like if you watch, like I'll, I'll reference Last Dance again, or like Kobe or, mm. or Mike, yeah. they're cursed. Yeah. For sure. With this competitiveness of yeah. their serial killers. Like. Right. Which made them the greatest. Yes. But also the worst in a lot of aspects. Right. I recently watched like a Jordan interview where he was talking about, Lynn will talk about golf because he's a huge golfer. And he said, now I'm into fishing a ton. So it goes, I go out on the boat and you just have to be there. He goes, because it's not really, it can't be competitive because you just sit there and you just have to wait. Mm -hmm. And he goes, for me, it's healthy. Now, obviously he's like in the sixties, he can identify it. And it is hard when you're trying to make everything always perfect and you're so nuanced. And I do it with certain things as well. Like I always say in this, this fitness life, I'm the Terminator sent back in time to kill John Connor. That's my only fucking goal. I don't care. So I'm just going to do that. But I don't do it with every other aspect of my life yeah. where I'm sure the people who struggle the most try to do it with everything. And that's mm-hmm. overwhelming. Right. It's a, it's a mindset in a sense. Like in your work, have you th- seen anything or do you think social media has played a part in making that maybe a bigger issue? Um, you know, from what I've read in studies, it, it, it goes both ways. It, I think it depends a lot on the person. I think this generation that is, you know, the teenagers level now that just are so familiar with it. It is a part of their daily life. It is the world, you know, like when we were coming up, we didn't have that. So our world was what was around us. When did you get your first cell phone? When, oh, uh, I think I was either a junior or a senior in high school. So right before college. And what kind of phone was it? Do you know? Nokia. I had a Nokia too. It had like yeah. snake on it. Uh, no, mine was like clear and I got a specialized case, like a blue case and you could do the ringtone and mine was Jagged Edge Worth Party at. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, um, that's way fancy with me. I had a shitty Nokia. You could play snake. My second phone was the LG flip where it, the front of it lit up in ah, color, yeah. like green, yeah, yeah, red, yeah. blue. Yeah. Um, and then I finally could, my broke ass could get a ringtone, but it was like, they're not the real song though. No, it was like, do, 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 do. Yeah. It was a uh, rough riders anthem. DMX was my first one. <sighs> it's crazy because like, I used to love that. And now if my phone rings, I fucking hate it. I have my on silent at all times. Me too. All times. Don't even vibrate me. No. Like if I miss it, good. I think of like calling to talk to me is kind of like showing up to my house uninvited. Like True. you shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. True. And Lines. you can text me and I'll call you when I'm ready. When I'm ready. Yeah. I Boundaries. do that actually for most things. Boundaries. It's actually really, really sad. Well, I do have, you know, since we're talking about you, I have a, you, when you were talking about your parents didn't teach you the part about caring what other people think. And when I was, I was going through pictures from college cause I knew I could see it in my head. I knew there was a picture from a party of us. But then I was going through all these others where, you know, you were at the party or I was at the party and typically it's like us basketball girls and we're up and we're loud and we're doing all these things. And then I look in the background and you're just kicking it in your sweats and everybody's just a muck and you're like, I'm good. I'm good over here. No yeah. deal. I'm, I'm fine. Always doing you, whatever that looked like. They just, I couldn't, I can't imagine. And I do feel, I feel bad because like I, obviously we, we talk with people here. My wife, you know, is, is as she matures, cares less and less and less. 
but still cares way more than I do, which is, it's probably good in some instances, but I just feel it to be exhausting to mm. try to be something that I'm not like, there's no way, dude, I can go work at, you know, fucking enterprise. Like, Hey man, here's your, uh, you know, Tahoe today. Uh, Mr. Smith, have a great day. Like, fuck that dude. <laughs> like I, this is how I have to do it. I need to yeah. wear what I need to wear, play my yes. music. This is my stuff. Same. Same. It's, yeah. um, but I didn't grow again. Like I didn't grow up with the social media, so mm-hmm. I didn't know how bad my life sucked um, until yeah. like I would go see how awesome everybody else's life was. Well, highlight reel. You know, the social media is typically just the highlight reel. It makes it hard. Where I do think, because I mean, years ago, it, it works twofold, right? Like where mm-hmm. you grow up and where you grew up, and maybe you're rich or poor, or you have a lot or don't have a lot. I didn't have much compared to other people, so I always thought I had it the worst until, and I've told the story before. Until I meet Sean Briggs, who I play basketball with, who's from Memphis. And this guy had two fucking pairs of pants and like two pairs of shoes. Like didn't know his dad. I don't ever think we met his mom. And I'm like, oh, my life's fucking awesome compared to his. So it can cut both ways. But either way, it, it, it doesn't work because either you're making yourself feel like shit because everybody else is winning and you're losing. Or you make yourself feel great because, well, I'm better than everybody else. Comparative suffering. Yeah. Terms. It's a weird thing. It's weird. But uh, we're people. We're like, we're literally supposed to connect with other people. It's just how do we make that in a way that is beneficial rather than something that is going to be detrimental to us. And like, do you ever talk with these guys? Is there anybody who comes in and says, hey, man, my problem is comparison and my problem is the social stuff or that's... Um, I really haven't had what people don't necessarily think. I have it actually in my paperwork. What social media outlets do you use? How often are you on them and what are you following? And do you think they honestly answer those? Um, if the parents filling them out, yes. Yeah. If they're filling them out, no. So I always have to go back. You know, there's a lot of questions. Do you do drugs? You know, X this, 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 or this. Oh, and you're like 16 or something? Yeah. Or, yeah. So oh. if you're 16 or if, you know, especially in Iowa where it's not legal. So you always have to go back and ask. You don't just take the check as the check. But yeah, you go up and... You know, that's paperwork is just the guide. You've got to really get to know what it is. Um, But there are a lot of teenagers that I just like to follow funny memes and send them to my friends. And then there's, you know, some, everybody follows things that, is that helpful? You know, what are you getting from that? Do you ever hang up your phone or put your phone down and you feel worse? You know, so it's about really breaking that down. And I don't think that they have as much of an understanding of the impact that it plays on them because it is such a staple in their life. They grow up with their phone in their hand, you know, and that's, it is just so much more accessible. And we do that now too. It's just sort of part of what everybody is doing because everything is in the phone. But when you're a teenager, you don't have the skills to balance your life yet. No. In full anyway. Well, we're like robots. We're like a cyborg essentially. Because with your phone, you're a genius. Right. Without your phone, you're an idiot. Yes. At least I am. Well, yeah. I barely get around Scottsdale, and I lived here for 15 years. Like, well, that's how we got here, phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you, like, we didn't have it, and so I can, for me, and this is a conversation I've had with multiple people, what is real and what's not, yeah. right? So if more people know me because of this podcast, because of Instagram, because of men's health, because of the internet, yeah. that know me in real life which one is real yeah which is a trippy thing to think like if what our instagram is four hundred and fifty thousand people or some shit i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know 400 and some thousand people 
Sure. I barely, I mean, I might know 400 people Mm -hmm. and half of them, I'll forget their names. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I'm like, what is reality? And I guess I don't have an answer or a fix, but there's a lot of kids, I think that are younger that that matters more to them than the real world where filters are the makeup. There's such a presence online, you know, like that's how they're connecting more um, than we did uh, because it's just, that is going to be what life looks like for them. And that's, that's okay. But just like you're saying, how do I make this fit in a real way rather than working against me in an unreal way that I can't keep up with? It's not sustainable. Well, no. And and technology is a, is a one-way street. Like Mm. we're not going backwards. Yes. I mean, I might move into a log cabin and nowhere and disappear. I just need a little bit more money and I'll be fine (laughs) getting closer. Uh, But for most people, it's not. They're going to go deeper down the, Mm -hmm. in the matrix, if you will. And if it's VR or the other things, and then the reality becomes just distorted to me a lot of times. And that's what I, I feel, I sound like an old person when I say that, but I just, I feel bad because I couldn't imagine being 12 and seeing all these things. And it looks like everybody's winning and it looks like everything is awesome because, and I don't share a lot. I mean, I share real stuff uh, here, obviously, in the episodes, but I don't try to be overly negative because I'm like, there's enough bullshit in the world. Sure. So even though we keep it real, it's still curated mm-hmm. and it's still manufactured to show you mm-hmm. here's what it is. Yeah. It's just a weird space. Well, and as someone who's known you for a long time, but don't like, I mean, obviously, we don't spend time together. We don't interact a whole lot. I, well, you I, live in Iowa, dude. I, I, well, you know, you figure it you out. You chose better. Figure it out. You chose better. I like it in the summertime. Uh, do you though? Some, I like for like a week. Uh, true. I go true. back to Minnesota usually in July for about a week. Yeah. I was in, I went to, um, I visited, um, well, Kiefer lives here now. No way. Yeah. He Kiefer. moved here. Um, him and his wife, he has three kids. Does he have three kids? Oh, cool. I keep forgetting. But uh, we went to dinner with him not that long ago. But yeah, he moved. But before that, I went to West Des Moines to visit like him, Donchi, Isaac, everybody. Oh, yeah, because I was, I think we had, you had reached out. Yeah. I, I don't think it was in the area. I didn't get over. I was, but I didn't get over there. Yeah. And so I don't mind, like, West Des Moines is nice. Yeah, true. Uh, in the airport, like, they don't give a shit. Um, I'm like, where's the rental car? She's like, oh, just go on the lot and hit the button. I'm like, what? Like, there's no gate. Like, no one's going to stop you. Like, what is this shit? Like, in Minneapolis, it's like nine checkpoints. Like, they Yo. take your blood. They're like, okay, make sure you have this back here. Like, oh, yeah, it's in the lot somewhere, dude. I'm like, this is amazing. Uh, but see, this is a point. Like, you are, I would say, from what I know of you, when I read your newsletters, when I see you on social media, when I hear you on your podcast, it's conversational. It's down to earth. I mean, F-bombs in there. It's just chill in that. I mean, I think you, I would vouch you're the same in person for the most part. Yeah. And we try to do that because yeah. I'm like, I, my worst, and I say this too, and it'd be the same thing. If my worst, it's not my worst fear, but I would hate it if someone came here and all of a sudden I say shit or fuck or something. They're like, oh my God, I've never heard you. So I'm like, this is how I talk, dude. And when they ask sometimes a request, like, can you just not swear on the podcast? I'm like, I can't do because then it feels like I'm at work. No. And I know this is my work and my job. I go, but I don't want it to feel that way. Or if they came in here and I looked way different mm-hmm. where I used nine filters. And I was talking to Heather last night and I go, there's very few of us that just kind of, and I'll post videos like we're just me talking as I'm walking outside. Then again, I get the comments like, Hey man, you should do Botox. You should do this. And I'm like, bro, I get it. I'm, an, I'm approaching 40 as a man and I'm from the Midwest. I go, that's just not how I grew up. You know, I'm just yeah. a fucking dude and this is how it's going to be. <laughs> uh, I'm not bagging on anybody who wants to do that. Sure. I go, but that's just not, they don't fit. No. 
Um, so I, I guess the point is I, I feel in, it's weird that I, I worry about the younger kids where like that becomes this reality where the online image is more important than the real image. And to me, this all started by just helping people in person. Sure. And then it just branched out to be yeah. whatever it is. Right. Different. So if I change gears here, yeah. I got to get you out of here pretty soon. Um, how do you, how do you balance like work life, like from your, your home life, if you will? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like you sometimes work from home or you work from there, mm-hmm. but do you have hard stops like on the day or like how you do social media and coming back to that when a kid is like, yeah, I use it for this, but their screen time is like six hours a day. Yeah. And admittedly, we live on these platforms. I spend about an hour a day on Instagram just going through DMs and replying. This is yep. how we make money. It's a business. Yep. It's not my favorite thing, but when I go home, my phone like goes in the bathroom and then I go in the other rooms because I'm yeah. like, it's just too much for Separation. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hard stops on, hey, I don't do paperwork in bed or I don't do this, this, and this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't do paperwork in bed. Um, I will, you know, I, I, I the joy of getting to figure out my schedule is playing with it. So if I decide I don't want to schedule people on a day, then I don't have to. But, you know, I'm, I'm still playing with how that looks. So I have to have admin days. So I, I schedule out days to do paperwork, to do research, that sort of a thing. And then I have client days. And I have a limit of how many people I'll see. I won't go, well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes if I have to have like an emergency session, I'll do eight people in a day. But typically it's six to eight. I, I try not to do eight people a day as much. Once I'm done. Eight people in a day? Mm-hmm. How does it even work? What time do you get to work at? Different depending on the day, uh, sometimes 6.30 in the morning, sometimes 9.30 in the morning. And, and then people come in, like, how quick? Um, I usually like to have at least half an hour to settle in and catch up and clean up and all that stuff, and then I don't work past 5. So that's my other hard line. So, because I think of it here, like, we, I don't do as much PT as, like, I rarely do. You know, I do one-tenth of, like, what we used to do. It's just not my business model anymore but i do have people here that we work with and we kind of stack them on top of each other where mm-hmm. you know if jenny's here maybe you know Lori comes in the last five minutes and they can kind of merge but it's different in my yeah. setting and it's easier i don't need the the decompression time you got help yeah well it's buffers and you might need that i would imagine yeah i usually so sessions are usually 45 minutes to an hour if if you're someone I've already seen, they're about the 45 to 50 minute range. So I'll sometimes have 10 minutes, but you know, that's also, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get water. I got to write this note down and maybe somebody has a schedule change. So, I mean, that 10 minutes gets pretty tight. So it is after, you know, five o'clock once the clock is done, typically I, I won't do anything else. Like I know I have time. I have scheduled time ahead that I will get that thing done. So if there is something, then I'll do it and make sure it's done at work before I leave. And then typically, you know, we'll have something going on that night. Or if we don't, then I'm, I make sure to have a couple of those nothing nights a week. Yeah. Cause I would imagine it would be tough to, you know, have someone, you know, basically you put, you pour into them for an hour and maybe it's like deep and then within 10 minutes, it's the next person Yeah, switch gears. and it kind of lingers for sure. I was just curious kind of how you yeah. compartmentalize those two yeah. things. Uh, it's, it, you get better as you practice it, just like with everything. And it's obviously never going to be perfect, but, um, it is, and it does get easier as you put in these like sort of emotional boundaries. Like I'm, I'm there and I'm feeling with, and I'm helping and all of those things. But it's also like, I understand that it's not me. When I first started this, it was, 
you know, like I did such a terrible job. I'm so bad at this. I got to do better. And, you know, I felt everything that they felt and it was almost like it happened to me twice. And it's like, you can't do that, that you really can't do that emotionally or just as a person. Like when does that stop for you or like the transformation from, okay, I'm eating everybody else's shit and now I have all their problems on top of, cause you're still a person. Yeah. Like it is, you know, awesome as you are. Like shit still goes sideways in your life. Oh yeah. So is it like a couple years in where you're like, you know what, this is just how it's going to be. Or like, is that a skill you guys learn? So some of it is we're taught certain things and like through the books and other things, you just, you got to learn. And again, it comes down to, I had really great mentors everywhere that I interned, anywhere I did practicum. Um, I've connected with uh, really great clinicians outside of my practice that, you know, and I've, I hired a consultant, I shouldn't say hired. I have a friend who was willing to be a consultant for me. So we met once a month because I knew I needed help. Like I'm not doing something right. This isn't doing going well. So someone to keep you in check. Always. I always have to have somebody help keep me in check. I, I think it's really good for me to make sure of that. And am I doing too much? Am I doing the most? Do I need to back it up? Cause I have a tendency to do that. And is there a time like uh, early on, like when you're in the career where you're like, you know what, maybe this is uh, this is not for me? I'm actually kind of there now. Like I really, I'm going to keep doing this. You're going to quit? Nice, dude. No, no, no. I'm going to keep doing this. I want to keep doing this, but things evolve, right? Like you, you're, when you started Jeremy Scott Fitness, this is how it looked. And now it looks totally different. Uh, you know what? I tell, <laughs> let me tell the story quick. <laughs> I envisioned something way different than this uh-huh. well first of all don't ever call a business your name well now i look like a genius because personal brand's a thing i guess I know. uh but really like it's when and i've shared these stories a lot if we go to like a wedding or we go somewhere and they're like what does your husband do oh he runs a fitness company what's it called i'm like oh, here we fucking go <laughs> you know because i'm the asshole where it's my name and they don't understand what you do and it's like oh well my my cousin peter is in fitness too and it's like we're not the same dude mm-hmm. but it's fine either way mm-hmm. um i forgot where i was going with that that's terrible um business how it started to how it's oh yeah so how i thought it was going to start was well this is going to be like we're playing you know just hardcore hip-hop or metallica and we're wearing work boots and cut off jean shorts and we're just jacking fucking steel every day (laughs) noses are bleeding like we're just pushing through it and i got you know little kids running around here i got you know moms hanging out there's all kinds of shit like this is the opposite of like what i thought it would be but through that like discovery if you will Mm -hmm. I get way more out of that than I didn't want to work with athletes and I'm an athlete like by Mm -hmm. nature, like for lifelong I go, but I don't get as much back from that as I do the average person. Cause like those guys are already there. Sure. Like we're trying to, you know, you make them a little bit stronger or faster or whatever. A lot of that's genetic based and whatever it may be and help them not get hurt. But when you help somebody lose a hundred pounds, that changes their life. Or when someone is no longer in pain, I'm like, that's that filled my cup more than that. And yeah. I'm sure yours is the same evolution. Yeah, similar. I, you know, and as I want to do more work with athletes, how can I serve more? Because like we're talking about, there's a shortage. So I want to help more in a different way. But how can I also do that in a way that fits my personality so I don't have to be in a chair for eight hours a day? Like, how do I switch that up? How do I still be helpful, but not in that sort of structure? And then you're... You're going to f- try to figure that out somehow? I'm working on it, yeah. Yeah. Chewing on ideas. I will ask this quick and then two questions I'll get you back on your bike. Yes. Um, these guys rode bikes here, by the way, everybody. Yo. This is real. <laughs> um, the empathy piece. 
mm-hmm. of it, obviously, because I'm sure, you know, you would take a lot of stuff on, you feel for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's something that people can learn. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I feel that like as I get older, um, mm-hmm. when I was younger, maybe I always did, but I just like buried it and like didn't give yeah, a shit. For sure. Um, but I like generally feel fucking bad for people. Like, I don't think we're equipped to like watch the global news. Like, I don't believe that. No. Um, cause again, like if you take it back to the last two years in general, like this country has this going on, this building's on fire, this many people are homeless, this mm-hmm. person just died. If you knew all that, you feel a certain way. If you didn't watch any of that and you just walked outside here, you'd be like, oh, it's 75 degrees and sunny. My life's fucking awesome. It's a lovely day. Yeah. But I have a certain level of like empathy and I do kind of take that on Mm -hmm. with everybody else too. Is that something like, do you guys like talk about that as professionals or Mm -hmm. is there, and obviously you're drawing, you know, boundaries and lines, but like, have you always had that where like you'll hear someone's story and you'd be like, I either want to listen or offer advice or. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yes, I, I think that everybody has and possesses some level of empathy unless obviously if you're. A narcissistic, a narcissist like, serial killer? Or sociopath. That's like oh, there's a, a show on Netflix, thing. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it called? It's the number one on Netflix. I watched the episode one last night. It's a grandma. Is it new? Uh, yeah, it's brand new. Oh. It's, I forget what it's called. It's going to drive me fucking nuts. But she's this grandma. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, and like, roommates or something. Or, or the neighbor next door. Some oh. shit like that. Anyways. I haven't seen this spoiler, one. Spoiler. First episode. In. It's grandma. Um, well, she, she like dressed way older. She really like, wasn't a grandma. She dressed like she's 90, but she was like 50. Uh, I think they found seven bodies like in her, um, in her backyard in Sacramento, like right down the street. So maybe, but they, even though they told the whole story, Mm -hmm. what is it called? Yeah, worst roommate, roommate ever. ever. That's I what it is. I think Netflix did send me an email about this one. Yeah, I so just didn't look at it. So I'm spoiling the whole thing, you guys. She had seven bodies in her backyard in this little garden, though, like as big as this office, probably mm. in um, Sacramento. And I think they attributed like nine murders to her, which is crazy. She Whoa. was doing it for like the Social Security money. And th- this guy's telling the story of the detective because uh, the lady's dead. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> well, she was like, she was like, this is like in the eighties, yeah, so this, this should is, be super fucking old. Retrospective, now. so yeah. But he goes, we we got her um, in L.A. We apprehended her, and we're on the plane. He goes, and she looked at me, and she's like, you know, I really am sorry, like for what I did. And he goes, I truly believed her. Like in in that single moment, like she had this shred of it. So yeah. to make a long story short. There's levels. There's levels, yeah. And it's I think like you're saying, we we learn what it feels like. For some, it feels like weakness. I don't want to feel that. It feels uncomfortable. I'm going to put it away and I'm not going to access it. But as you age or as you learn, it becomes a tool. Also can be a curse because if you, you know, if, just like with exercise, if you do too many of an exercise, you're going to burn yourself out. Same with empathy or feeling. So you can burn that out too. You just have to watch where you put it and how you use it. Because for you... Guys, as professionals, you almost have to be like, like the physicians are in a way where, not that you're like robotic, but mm-hmm. you have to let it go. Because mm-hmm. how many times, you know, you're the doctor's like, mm-hmm. hey man, you know, you didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that and you're not like breaking down, bawling, crying, right? which seems like that would be the normal reaction. But when you do it for years, mm-hmm. do you almost get like, I don't want to say numb to people's pain, but you just learn to... Yeah, you learn how to use it, right? So even the work of not feeling is still work, right? That so makes sense. it's just different kind of work, but that can be just as exhausting. And, you know, I think that's, it's, 
it becomes a tool. It's just something that you practice and you get better at. And not, I mean, I think everybody could do it if they really wanted to. And, um, again, I just had really great, helpful mentors that are like, okay, what's going on here? How are you relating it to you? It's like transference or counter-transference. Get you out of the equation. This is about somebody else. Stop making it about you, Katie. And you guys probably all have some similar traits, even though you're all different. Yeah, sure. But you share some of the same common stuff. Yeah, at some level. But that's kind of the joy of going back to social work. Um, and I, speaking of community, I'm part of, it, there's actually an organization of um, social workers in sport. So it's the Association of Sports social workers in sport, ASWIS. And it's just like everybody you working in all these different platforms and doing all these different things. And just, it's interesting to see how many people and just how different we are, but really it's just about elevating sports and student athletes. And I'm sure it's helpful too, obviously to have this, like a sounding board of people, just like yeah, we do here, your fully, circle matters. Fully. I think with every industry, like to find success or longevity or, cause I'm sure the burnout rate of what you guys do is, mm-hmm. is high. I would imagine. Yeah, well, like you're talking about teachers and other professions are sort of the same. It's just, I think that's what I also like about private practice is if I worked for someone else, I wouldn't get to choose it for myself. I would have to see 40 people a week and, you know, churn them out and get my notes done by this time and this do this thing and show up in XYZ. It's just like robotic, like you're saying, but I get to make it my own and fit it myself. And so like where it's at now, like the business standpoint, like you're good with like how it works and how it flows. And then like, you'll just tweak things as your life changes basically. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of cool part too, where we've had the same thing. We've had some uh, physical therapists on here who used to be at, I don't want to call like a PT mill, but basically that's what it is where they're seeing, I don't know, 80 people in a week. And now it's like they see four or five people in a day. And the quality is way better, way better because the business model is obviously different. Satisfaction levels way better for them and probably who they're seeing, the patients. Yeah, they're just diminishing return when the volume is right. is so high. True. Let's do these last questions and you're done. Okay. Favorite basketball player of all time. Oh God. It doesn't have to be the the goat. We already know the goat is Jordan. I know that's totally the go-to, but okay. I'm, if, is he your favorite of all time? I mean, you know, if I'm going to watch YouTube videos or I'm going to watch anything basketball related, I do enjoy Michael Jordan the best. He's not only sentimental because, you know, when we were kids, but also because he's just, he's the dude. I did like the last dance too. That was really fun to watch. It's amazing. Is there a number two? Um, You know what? Uh, I'm going to go straight cheesy and I have a younger brother that I just... I love watching him play basketball. I didn't really, I don't watch a lot of pro or NCAA, but. Do you watch any basketball anymore? Uh, with, with my partner when he's watching it, I don't really watch sports as much unless there's somebody I know. We have a friend who plays for the Lions, so I'll, I'll watch him play and that, that hypes me up. If I have a personal connection, I'm a lot more apt to pay attention and get into it. It's weird because I watch far less now than I ever have. Yeah. Where it's minimal. Yeah. Compared to. What it used to be. I probably watch more like UFC than anything. And we're watching a lot of Formula One. No shit. It's cool. Yeah. I've had people talk about that too. Netflix. Yeah. It's yeah. weird how it changes too. Mm-hmm. And shifts. Because I've always thought of a time like where I would know every college. Well, and they change conferences now like every other week, which is really confusing. Yeah. That Maryland's in the Big Ten. I don't understand like how that makes any logical sense. Um, and if we really care about student and athlete, that's complete horseshit. Because like that's athlete and then maybe you're a student right, afterwards. Right, right. But yeah, I don't, um, 
I don't watch nearly as much as I used to. I don't get the same joy from it either. No, and the game is so different than, I don't know. It's just, it, it's so media-based, it seems like. It's changing. Sensationalized. And then if we go favorite hip-hop artist of all time. <sighs> okay, hip-hop meaning, is that rap, R&B, all combined? What, give me, what you give me one of each if you want. Of all time, you got to make me pick one. I mean, what's your, like, you, can do your t- you can do your Mont Rushmore if you want. Like a couple. I don't know if I even have that. I just, I'm so mood-based. Gosh, I obviously Pac, got to go with some Pac. I really like J. Cole. Oh, yeah. Um, his early stuff, I'm really into that. Um, I like, like Ella, I think it's May. I don't even know how to say your name, Ella May. Boot Up, Boot Up, Boot Up. That girl, she had really good albums. I really like her stuff. Mac Miller, I got into Mac Miller. Uh, you know what, like I like all the new shit, like I never listened to until, um, I think he has a song, it's a Donald Trump. Like, he has a song called Donald Trump. Yeah, but that's some of his old stuff. It's actually fucking awesome. Such a good song. And his the album he made before he passed, that's a really good album. Is it really? It is. It is really good. Yeah, because mostly I just listen to 90s and like two, uh, early, early 2000s if, hip-hop. Can I just say genre? Because 90s and early 2000s yeah. is the joint right there. It's, um, look, my wife listened to country, like, and it really fucking bugs me. <laughs> Um, cause I don't understand it. Um, I appreciate the craft of Midwest it. guy here. I like it. It's just, I didn't grow like, and I've been to, these are concerts. I've been to Tim McGraw. I've been to Kenny Chesney twice. Maybe I've been to Chris Stapleton, um, Jason L. Dean. Like I know these names. If they walked in here right now, I probably wouldn't know what they look like. Um, all very talented. Yeah. It's just, I don't know any of the words to the songs. So I'm just sitting there like a dumbass, like kind of like, Oh yeah, this is cool. And no offense. I've been to like up and smoke tour. Yes. And, I've been, and, and I've been to like country concerts. I've never been more afraid than at a country concert because them dudes get fucked up, bro. Right? Like smashing beers. Like parking lot, like boots. Yes. Oh, man. And I'm like, and I'm a, I'm a firearms fan. I go, I know everyone here has a firearm in their pickup. Everybody. And everybody's shit faced right now. I'm like, this is the place. To pop off. I feel real safe and real scared <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah, like the Super Bowl. Yes. That was the epitome. Like, of, that's, that's, I mean, that was my favorite thing. No, but the like that lineup was, I mean, straight sentimental like, it's iconic like that, that yeah. was waldorf days yeah straight up and that's like my wife's jam if that comes on like we have these playlists for the groups that we run here obviously in like 2000s like spotify hip-hop is everything yeah so when it's 112 comes on jagged edge comes on bad boy yes we actually went to a boys to men concert out here like maybe i'm at this point it's probably like seven eight years ago uh-huh. um it was at like a casino because it's like oh you yeah know, they're not but because right. my, my wife's like oh i went to one at the moda center where the uh portland trailblazers play when okay. she's like in high school mm-hmm. where it's fucking sold out now right. we're at a casino but i shit you not i mean still when bended <sighs> knee comes on end of the road i'm like these guys start handing out roses to the crowd these women are like fucking dying Penny dropping yeah still <laughs> the dudes are like 60 years old just <laughs> yes. crushing it and uh, yes. I'm like, they're still great, bro. They are. I don't. I think I just saw Usher got residency at Vegas. I would see Usher any day. I any Usher. He owns like one of the sports teams, like a majority really? of it. Was it? Is it basketball? I did not know this. Or football? Yeah, I guess because he's been him. he's been balling for a long time. Huh. But you think about that. I'm listening to Usher when I'm, I don't know, like 14. True. Like my way, first one out. Yeah, I'm yeah. a little kid because he's young too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usher's the shit too. I mean, style. I could talk about this all day. I Cavaliers. Cavaliers. How much he owns a, a majority of it, or like a lot, of, or like he owns a good percentage of it wow. for being a hip hop artist, which is crazy. Get it? Yeah, which is nuts. 
Man. Usher. Usher, baby. Yeah, but I remember when um, You Got It Bad came out. Mm. I probably played that song for 10 days in a row on repeat <laughs> in my dorm room. And I don't think I fucking turned it off. Like, I think I just closed the door and like would go to class and just let it run. I would say that came out when we were in college. Yeah. I remember that my sophomore year, I think. Confessions. Well, yeah. Cause I went to, um, I went to a concert, mm. um, with, um, you guys will not know any of these things I'm going to say right now. I went to, I got tickets for my, it was for my birthday. It was me, Karen, Lori Ezek yep. and my best friend. And they surprised me and brought him. And we drove to... Connor? Yeah. Yeah, I so, remember him. Yeah, so we went to Minneapolis. He's still there. He's got Ooh. four kids. Hey. Yeah, it's a handful. <laughs> um, but we went and it was... Uh, who was the first? John Legend is playing piano there, but he's not like John Legend yet. Yeah. Um, Sierra is there <sighs> as like the opening. And then it's Usher and Kanye. What? Yeah. And people are going fucking nuts. Like when wow. this is like when Jesus walks is like yeah. the shit and everyone has the rock thrown up and I'm, yeah. and this is, you know, you got a bad, uh, let it burn uh-huh. all the shit. And I'm like, that's probably one of the other than up and smoke tour, mm-hmm. probably one of the best concerts I went to. Yeah. Still to this day. That sounds like amazing. Yeah. I wish they could somehow like redo that. I know, but they're, there's a different levels now, right? That's like purity. Well, yeah. Cause Kanye now is like, he's in outer space. In many yes. in many respects, yeah. for sure. Kanye. But yeah, so that's reminiscing for a second. Uh, I appreciate that. That's um, a good one. If anybody out there is like listening, and if you give general advice, I'm sure people ask this all the time. Like, if they feel like they're struggling with something, if it's like depression, anxiety, mood disorders, body image shit, like what is the what's the first thing like they should do, or or research, or or how to reach out, or like where do they where do they look depending on like obviously where they live? You know, I would say first things first, talk to somebody you trust. If it's a parent, if it's a teacher, if it's a fitness instructor, if it's a partner, you know, talk to somebody and say you're thinking about it just to have a place to explore it. Um, and then from there, if you feel like you're ready to talk to somebody, people are available. I would say get in contact with your doctor if you have a primary physician um, or a physical therapist, you know, somebody that you work with on a regular basis and say, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this. Do you have a resource? So use your resource to get to another resource, or you can do a Google search with an issue and just shopping mall search through people that look like you might connect with them. And the worst thing you can do is the Jeremy method. Just bury it. Bury. Deep down. Yeah. Well, unless it works, then, you know, keep I mean, going. I made it this far. Or just replay You Got It Bad 10 days in a row and get your feels out. And you might be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just come in here, turn the lights off, put yep. a hoodie on, play Usher, yep. and work out. Yep, yep. And that's my therapy, if you will. Yeah, the resources are available. Unless, you know, if it's, you know, suicide, you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else, there's crisis lines available in any state, in any city, at any time, go to your nearest hospital. There's options there too. It's good to know too, dude. Yeah, yeah. This is legit, man. This, this is good is, stuff. This is great. Yeah, this I'm is glad. Kicking yeah. off our trip too. This is day one, technically. Oh no, shit. We got here yesterday, but today's day one on the bikes and. And then tomorrow, you guys ride somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. It's a 50 mile route. We got a few 50 mile days. And some, and the weather should be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be good. Nice, dude. Um, where can these guys uh, stalk you at or find you at? Um, probably just my website at johnsoncounselingllc.com. I'm on social media, but as a personal, not really as a So don't be a creep show. Don't. I mean, 
if you want, I guess, but I'm not really that exciting. I have a lot of dog pictures. Oh, I mean, that's majority of what I look at, uh, or in the mini horses. I could get into that. Yeah. That's real. I wonder if I have it here. There's a, we follow this mini horse. I think his name is Alvin. Alvin? Yeah. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. (gasps) My wife sends me all this stuff. Is it Alvin? Alvin like the mini horse. He's great. Because most of my phone, like, I get, like, no, most of it's, like, UFC or puppies or, like, this yeah. this mini horse. And my wife turned me on to it because she was, she would, like, see it. I'm, like, we need to get <laughs> this mini horse. I'm, like, is this really what we need to get at our house? And then, like, sure enough, we got to, like, look through this neighborhood. She's, like, oh, I want to move here. And, like, sure as shit. Fenced in area. The guy has a fenced in area and a fucking <laughs> mini horse. I'm, like, it's great. She but, knows what she's doing. But anyways, don't be a creep show if yeah. you follow her on there. But I do I do like puppies because we get a lot of dick pics and a lot of like really weird shit on here. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, don't hit me with that. But Or um, the social work and sport, ASWS.org, there's a lot of really good information if you're an athlete and want information or have questions about stuff. That's a good website to hit. That's probably more common than people think. Like mm-hmm. yeah. if you – and we'll get out of here after this. Like if we go to like the, the races, if it's like a, a marathon, half marathon, 5k or Pat's run here for Pat Tillman, yeah. the lines for people to get in the bathroom are like always a hundred people deep. And it's because most people either a shit their pants or piss 85 times. And I thought about that where obviously in sports, it's, it's way different. The highs and lows in this, you know, 40 minute time frame. You can never replicate in real life, yeah. which sucks. Like yeah. as much as is, uh, this is as close as I was going to get, right? Like the NBA is not going to happen. I wasn't going to be quarterback for the Vikings. So when it was done, it was done. And this is as close as I can be. But I still don't get where like you feel like you can kick the shit out of the world and you're a complete loser in a five-minute time frame. Identity. Yeah. But when I would play, I remember I would have to take a piss like nine fucking times before I go play. And I'm like, what is going on? I've already peed and like, I don't really have to go. Like, you know, I'm 19. I don't have prostate issues. What's the deal? (laughs) But it's like this nervousness, anxiety. Your body's hyping up. And because you cared about it. Yes. That's probably the big thing. Right. Where when you care about something, there is this nervousness. And I used to get that before we did like other people's podcasts or before I went to do speeches. And then you do enough of them where it's like... You realize, like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking good at just doing my shit, so, like, I'm fine. Yeah. But I can imagine for everybody else, it's a real thing. True. So it's a good resource. Yeah. I dig it, man. Um, well, thank you, bro. Thank you. This is real. This is great. Yeah. Um, if you guys, I'll put her um, website in the show notes. I'll post, um, this will be obviously up on Instagram if you want to see us now. And then an old college photo, I'll put right next to it on the swipe. Which no will judgment. Be, which would be amazing. I look mm-hmm. so young. and now I I'm... look so terrible. Like, we were talking about why did anybody let girls wear this, like, white-blue eyeshadow thing? I don't know why that was a thing, but... It's, um, you know, I think we look back and we thought we were always fly, and... <laughs> We were aspiring to we were, be fly. Well, I because there's a photo, like, it'll pop up on memories or something, and it's, like, me, A, wearing... First of all, the fucking clothes I would wear, like, these are all my buddy makes this whole clothing line. Oh, cool. And it's all, like, skin tight. Um, I used to wear clothes nine sizes too big because oh. that's the era yeah. I grew up in. Same. I still have these sweatpants. He jacks me about it all. I'm like, okay, that's... But it's your thing. That's a thing. And so, like, a photo would pop up and it's me and I think, like, Lori and, like, like Brooke Camus or something. Yeah. And obviously I'm shit-faced. And I have, like, a backwards to the side North Carolina hat. I have four fucking earrings in, a loop, a loop, and a diamond, and a diamond. And I'm just sitting there like, 
you thought like that you and, and then I wondered why like I didn't get a job when I went to these fucking job <laughs> interviews. They got to be like, hey, this kid can barely talk. Like, he's a fucking idiot. And look at what he's wearing. And look at him. I mean, just. Oh, yeah. We've come a long way. Yeah. Do you, can you still put earring? Do you still have the holes? Yeah. All four. You know, you like. Bring it back just for one. You one know time. what? Because I used to have a fifth one in the top. Oh. But that, that the cartilage or whatever? That shit would hurt if, if you got hit with that. Like it would hurt. You know when you push on your ears or you used to have earrings, like yeah. that weird kind of, I don't know what like that is. Like a little is. ball whatever. And like kind of like weird shit will come out sometimes. I go, what is that? Infection. I don't think we're meant to like have <laughs> earrings like that, are we? I don't think so. No. But I thought it was like, that was cool. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I had a, I think I had my first earring in like fifth grade. Oh, wow. I think or sixth grade. My dad was not a fan. I'll just put it yeah. at that. Um, but I had the dangling cross like Barry Bonds. Ah, I thought it was a gangster. Yeah. Yeah. And then from yep. there, it just, I started piercing more shit and more <laughs> shit. And then yep. eventually I had to just let it go. You got to be an adult, bro. Take, take the earring out. Then, you know, do what works best for you guys. Yeah. What's that Drake line though? Don't Mike Jordan still got his hoop earring in. I mean, but you do when you're MJ Jordan, Jordan sometimes would like have like a Hitler mustache and like no one would say shit. And I'm like, well, I guess if you're fucking Jordan, like you can do yep. whatever you want, bro. True, true, Doesn't true. work for the rest of us. Yep, yep. Um, well, thank you. Thank you again. Um, I'll throw her stuff in the show notes. So you guys can see it again. Um, any other questions for me or her? Obviously I'm happy to connect you guys. Um, Again, reminder, our 30 for 30 challenge is kicking off here in like just over 24 hours. The link is in the IG bio. Uh, if you guys want a podcast discount code, hit me up ASAP. Um, I'll be traveling on Sunday, but I'll do my best to get back to messages if they do pop in before that to get you guys rocking and rolling. And again, if you guys want to check out Athletic Greens, hit us up. Monica will send you a free sample 100% on us to try, and you're good to go from there. And if you're on Spotify, drop it a five-star. We'd appreciate it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star and drop a review. We would appreciate it as well. And thank you, guys. Thank you, Katie, as always. Great to see you. Uh, And until next time, everybody, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.